68 becomes 16. This is the Sweet 16 edition of the Dream Preview. I'm R.J. Bell. Steve Fezzik in studio. A lot of work, a lot of work. We did preparing for the show. We got a lot of interesting insights focused on the NCAA tournament, but NBA, NFL, etc. Not going to make a big deal about crushing Dave Esler on the Colgate, his pick on Arkansas. It's, you know, could be random, could be <laughs> random. Not going to make a big deal about him having Illinois in his bat. Now he only has Bama left, and I've got Gonzaga. And I'm not going to make a big deal about my bracket. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I felt a lot worse when Ohio State went down early and I had them going far. Well, you know, further, you know, Final Four. And then as the rest of the tournament became a, uh, a minefield that led to a graveyard, I didn't feel quite as bad. <laughs> I would have rather had it right, but... Man, oh, man, I don't know who had it right. Hitman's got a pick for so coming up. Esler, pick coming up. And, and, Fezzik with a pick. And two from me, two from me. One in the NCAA tournament Sweet 16 round. And the other, my biggest NFL preseason or before the season bat yet probably will be my biggest bat. By the way, I will talk about the Phoenix Suns. Hmm. Okay. Oh, Fez, you and I have a crossfire. I'm, I'm going to crossfire you. I'm going to force you to repeat that Michigan bet again. You're, you're horrible bet. And I'm not going to tell you who it's on for him, but just live on national radio, I heard it. I go, that's crap. And then, boom. He's like, huh? What? Hmm? Huh? Well, you know, what, did your heart rate go way up? It was already high. Okay. Huh? I'm not, I'm, I'm, big stinks. Hmm true but as we often say it doesn't matter how bad a team is how good a team is it matters what the market thinks relative to that truth and i think maybe the big 10's been getting a little too much downgrade systematically scapegoated and demonized let's get right there let's start there big 10 horrible Big 12, not so good either. Pac-12, great. And I'm thinking maybe McKenzie has something to say here. Well, we looked at the Pac-12 historically in basketball, and we've just been disappointed year after year. We've seen that their number one seeds perform far worse than any other conference. And this year there was no reason to kind of give them any more credit than we would because it's still the Pac-12. You know, they look this, they look that. We, we're just going to discount them based on history and not really do the work of looking at these teams Game by well, game individually. Hold on a second. So you're saying that the question is, is there something? Uh, the first premise we got to check here is, are they any better than we thought? Because unless I'm mistaken, how many wins did they have, Steve? How many losses? Nine and one straight up and against the spread. Okay. So when a team goes nine and one, do we say, oh, my gosh, we totally, like in a, you know, if you think about it over the course of, all the games that were played by the entire conference, you know, what was it? Probably an average of 25 this year. I mean, less than 30, right? So there's like 250 games or so the conference played before the conference tournament. So like upwards of 300 games coming in, and these are 10. So 
The first question is, what were our assumptions coming in and how certain are we that we're wrong? What we know is, is that the market's readjusting. How warranted is it? So, Mackenzie, if you look at Ken Palm or Sagarin, um, and I'm not super familiar with Ken Palm, and it's something I'm going to dig into uh, before the Sweet 16, I just am not a college basketball guy, but I'm, I'm interested this year, so I'm going to dig in a little bit. Um, what's the best way to kind of get a feel? I mean, I guess we could look at every individual team and take an average, uh, and I guess we might have to do that. Is there, but Sagarin has his uh, conference ratings. Yeah. Does Ken Palm have anything like that? Um, not, not certain. I just pulled up the uh, Sagarin conference ratings. Okay, now do these count the games that just have? What, what, what's this through? What date? Let's see. Pulling it up over here. As of today. Uploaded as of today. Okay, so Big Ten is first. Big 12 is second, ACC is third, Southeastern is Southeastern Conference, also known as the SEC, is fourth, Big East, Pac-12. So amongst the big six, as we call it, Big Five plus Big East, Pac-12 is the worst. Okay, but by how many points a game? So 81.7 for the Pac-12, and then it's really not until the Big 12 if there's any jump, it's like literally about a point between the ACC and the Pac-12, right? Yep. So when you're saying, oh, we missed it, well, Jeff Sagarin's computer didn't miss it, right? Well, doesn't Jeff Sagarin's computer only consider games that they've played and far more the majority of the games they've been played have been against themselves, so it's tougher for the computer to to have a fair number for them? Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is is... It's tough for everyone to assess it. But the idea of us laying blame, first off, I'm still not sure how much better they are than we thought. All right. But let's assume they are somewhat better than we thought or better than whoever thought this Jeff Sagarin computer, Ken Palm, whatever. Because I didn't have any strong opinion. All right. But if they are better, the question is, because it could be random. I mean, I, th I think the starting point whenever there's 10 games is it could be random, right? Yes. And I think that's why you look at the against the spread margin also as another factor. No. I, I think it makes it more. You're right. If So I shouldn't say no, but that doesn't solve the problem when there's 10. I mean, under that theory, if you have a 9-1 trend that has a good margin, but there's no logic behind it at all, what do you do with it? Usually attributed to noise. So what's the logic that this isn't noise? The uncertainty of how good the, the well, West Coast was, teams are because they didn't, just didn't play but, enough data points against every, the rest of the but, but every team the hasn't paid any data points. So, we yeah. don't, so what we're saying is what would you trust? The 10 games that's happened so far or the 250 games that happened, mostly incestual within the conference, true? I, I don't know. I, I guess that's what I'm saying is I would rather trust the 250 games, wouldn't you? Yes, but I'd rather but, – but in terms of how much I trust any one game, I would Wait, trust a tournament the tournament game. Why is that the question? The question is it's 250 games versus 10. I trust 250. Okay. So how sure are we that the Pac-12 is that much better? How sure are we the Big Ten is that much worse? I'm not. I'm really not. Because 
what we see here is we got the very best conference, the Big Ten, having a horrible result. And we got the very worst amongst the big boys, the Pac-12, having great results. And oh, by the way, the second best conference having bad results. Not as bad, but bad. So literally we're saying, okay, uh, let's just assume 750 games between those three conferences. And we're saying that the Big Ten and Big 12 are the only two teams just separate from everyone else. They're two-plus points better than even the third-best conference. And, oh, by the way, the Pac-12 is the worst. Okay, now we're going to play 20 games, 25 games, let's say, you know, amongst all three of those conferences. And now we're going to say, well, actually, Big Ten is the worst. Pac-12 is the best. The Big 12 is probably next to worst. Why are we, I mean, this seems like amateur hour that we're assuming. I've always been a biggest proponent in, I would say, the national media, to be honest, about saying as a bowl season progresses, as a tournament like this, or specifically this tournament progresses, that if a team, check that, a conference is either dominant or really bad, take it seriously. But to me, I was talking a half a point. I'm talking a point. It's like, hey, we got a little bit of new data. Let's- I think that's well said that directionally, we don't want to say the Pac-12 is better than the Big Ten now. But what we want to say is, hey, let's make some adjustments. They're closer together than what we thought going into the tournament, right? I think if they just played another 10 regular season games and it was this bad, you would make the point that it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Though, obviously, kind of the catch-22 is those 10 regular season games would have been against each other. So I think it's a time to kind of make my general point, which is, and and kind of wrapping up Mackenzie's point, what I liked about, and it's kind of gotten obscured and muddied, what I liked about his point was simply saying, listen, history had, if it was a bias against the Big 12, it was earned, right? This is a year that we weren't going to take all that seriously, or at least we were going to say there was, not that we didn't take it seriously, there was question marks, a lot of variance, a lot of question marks, right? So if a team did exceptionally well, exceptionally poorly, like Duke, do we think Duke's going to be horrible next year? Is their over-under win total going to be 13? No. No. Kentucky, no. It's a different year. All right. That said. Yeah, that's a great point that I think we should, we should expand upon. The mere fact that we saw Duke, like three standard deviations below normal. Kentucky, you know, three standard deviations below normal. We saw enough of those funky data points in this COVID year. And all of a sudden, you know, in terms of our confidence on how good are, are all these teams, you know, we don't have the normal confidence that we would have. Which, and the funny thing is you might be saying, oh, okay, but that means the truth is coming out now. No, it means this is another just variance. We don't know. We're not going to know the truth at the end of all that. And we rarely do. When do we know the truth? Maybe in the NBA playoffs, we get close. Otherwise, you really think the Giants were better than the Patriots with Randy Moss? They were that day. That's one of the beauties of sports in a way. I like that. That If there's one sport where if you have enough of a margin, let's say it's three points, you're three points better in the NBA than your opponents, you're almost, not for sure, but you're very likely to win the championship. That's just not the case. Like, look at football. If you're three points when better. You say the championship, you mean if against your opponent in the finals? Yes. Well, I think what's, I don't, I think you kind of clipped away the best part of the NBA, which is it's, you got to win four series 
to get somewhere. So the fact, it's not so much that the championship team is favored by three on a neutral, let's say if they played on a neutral, is going to win. It's the fact that it's, it's quite likely these are the two best teams, and that's one of the two best is going to win. It just Things happen. And think about the Celtics and the Lakers all through the 80s. I don't know which of those teams are better each mm-hmm. year. What I know is they were probably the two best teams, and they went down to a kind of a tight, and, and then it got random. Now, when you never go seven games like Michael Jordan, nothing really was random there, right? right. And the Golden State wasn't all that random. So, in general, I think you you have the least number of uh, – I think the best team wins the most often in the NBA Finals. Yes. Or NBA Playoffs. Here, it's one and done. It's a, it's seeding. I mean, we're going to talk about Loyola and how, you know, it seems like maybe they were trying to kill him with Illinois and they got <laughs> killed themselves. But, like, we know there's biases left and right. We know there's secret little ways to make it tougher for a team. We know this year there's a bunch of factors we don't even understand fully. I'm saying the Big Ten is better than we thought coming or worse than we thought coming in. I don't think that much worse. Now, we're going to segue. We can segue to our crossfire now, Steve. So you've got a, a bet you just love. Yeah, Sunday, love Florida State. Oh, you, you're kidding, right? Do you still love them? I still do. Really? Yes. That's why we're crossfire. No, 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 no. That's what you thought before we've now had this long discussion. So one of the premises of this is going to be a three-point adjustment for the against the Big Ten. And after we – I mean, if you notice here – Sagarin says the difference between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was like uh, three, what is that, uh, three and a half points? Am I seeing that right? Yeah. Okay. So you're saying the Big Ten should be downgraded three and the Pac-12 upgraded how many? Three? Three. So now there's a six-point swing. I see where you're going. You think? Yeah. So let's just say you don't let's just say you don't know you don't love it yet, but give your handicap. <laughs> That's a great point. So the Pac-12 has had a stellar tournament. Nine and one straight up and against the spread. Well, what's the one team that's lost? Colorado. They didn't just lose, they got blown out. Who blew them out? Florida State. So I think we've got to look at that game, that four-five matchup, and say, well, it was one of the most impressive games of the tournament. The fact, not that a four blew out of five, but that the four blew out of Pac-12-5, a conference that's done so well in this tournament. And how much have we decided that what they've done in this tournament is worth? You think it's worth three? You know, it's hard because the Pac-12 has exceeded the expectations by so much, by almost 13 points so per under, game. So you know? under that theory, then, you believe that the Pac-12 went from the sixth best conference to clearly the best conference. And in fact, they're about two, three points better than any. And I don't believe that. So So three looks to be excessive. Mm -hmm. Maybe one and a quarter would be a more appropriate number. Okay. So now we're saying Florida State beat a team by how many points? 19. And if you adjust for how underrated they are, it would be 20 and a quarter. Yes. Oh, start the press. No limit. Limit order. <laughs> Limit order. Okay. So, by the way, every team in the Sweet 16 won their first two games. So, Florida State won. So, 2-0 straight up is probably not that impressive. <laughs> Florida State won. I agree. So did Michigan. Okay. Now, let's get back to the idea of uh, 
the adjustments for the Big Ten because the line from Ken Palm, if you just if you just look at the power ratings, was six. Yes. All right. So now it's like okay, Ken Palm isn't going to be adjusting as aggressively as you would. So you were thinking three points on the radio, right? That's what I said, yes. So that would bring the line down to three. What's the line right now? Three. Okay, so Ken Palm says six. It's down to three. And again, this is the, there's two different Ken Palms. There's, you just look at the mathematics of the power ratings, or you can look at the game projection. We'll get to the game projection. So what you're saying is if there's a full three-point adjustment, there's been sufficient adjustment. That's the whole fading the Big Ten doesn't offer any value. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now we're saying a point and a half or a point and a quarter. Let's call it a point and a half. That was the Pac-12. I said point and a quarter. Oh, what's the Big Ten? So the Big Ten has to be less now, right? I, I mean, don't know. Because the Big Ten's against a spread margin. I know more games, but it was only 3.8. Uh-huh. Call it a point. Okay. So you're saying the line should be five. Well, no, one. I'm saying six minus one minus one and, and a quarter, right? Point adjustment well, no, for no, the no, Big no, Ten no. being overrated. Okay, but there's no Pac-12 team in here. Well, I'm saying I'm giving Florida State the bump. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. The bump from Florida State would be the 19-point win becomes a 20-point win. They, they don't get the whole freaking bump because they played a team that was <laughs> one point underrated. Mathematically, I agree. Mathematically. <laughs> Just like childhood logic. So I'm confused. This line should be five, you're saying. And we haven't even got, and now we're saying you think Florida State's a little bit underrated and it's for whatever reason. So maybe we get to four and a half is what you're saying. No, I'm not. But okay, I'll let you say it. I think that's not even that. Now, is there anything else to redeem Florida State? No, they don't. They don't. They're not well coached. Mm. I obviously great athletes, but that's built into their power rating. And so, there we go. So, and also Michigan's got some pretty good athletes, no doubt. And remember, Ken Palm. Now, if we look at Ken Palm's rating, it says four Michigan four. So it's accounting for the injured player, right? Livers being out, livers. This is the adjustment. Yeah. So let's assume four is right. So you're a point off before you start. It seems at best. Because he's accounting for recency. He, you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Ken Palm knows how to figure how much to weight the, the conference sure. you know, or the uh, NCAA tournament so far. Here's the, the kicker that, that makes my Michigan piece that is now up to a $400 bet. So sweet. Who in the world's going to be more motivated than Michigan? I mean, one, if they go to the Final Four, it's going to be like the rest of the Big Ten – Oh, they were – and correct me if I'm wrong, Livers is his name? Yes. He's expected to potentially be back by the Final Four. That's what they're saying. Are they saying there's that a, now? There's a real – let's just say this. Kenzie, maybe see if you can see what the latest word is. A lot of speculation. So I don't, I'm not saying for sure one way. I'm not saying for this game. I'm saying they're thinking, man, we get through this. We're going to get all the Final Four love. Indiana, Michigan, right? Might be some edge there. Who knows? We can debate that. I'm not sure. But I'm thinking this is like a, a conference under siege. And everyone in the conference is rooting for Michigan right now. And they know it. And I think that you're, you're a master, Steve, of trying to get motivation from 10 to 11. It's not enough. Spinal tap. 10 isn't enough. What college basketball team probably, 
I would make the case this entire season has been as motivated as Michigan to say the whole world's talking about we're the only one that's gotten through. If we lose now, we'll just be lumped in with the losers. If we can win, we'll talk about recruiting. If you're a Midwest kid and all the Big Ten sitting on the sidelines, you don't and Howard, you don't think Juwan Howard, a guy who was part of the Fab Five, he might call a wrong timeout or something. But I mean, that's it. You know, this is very interesting because I'm thinking back to the Michigan LSU game, which I watched, and I've never seen, to your point, a one seed playing an eight nine seed struggling. They're behind. They're behind by you know like six points second half. It looked like it was like it's a continuation of the narrative. Big Ten down. But right. But what happens in a situation like that? The the bench is down. The guys are depressed. We're not playing well. You know, it's like like they're, 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 they 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 were the other teams high fiving each other, going crazy. Which LSU was. But Michigan, as soon as whenever they scored, they cut into the lead. The way the bench was reacting was like, yeah, you know, we we, we like like they were acting like they were the the 12 seed, and the the joy, the jubilation that they had winning that I think they won by about eight was normally a number one seed wins by eight in the second round. They're like, oh, survive in advance. You know, the coach goes in the post game press and says, don't get depressed. You know, it's okay. Whereas they were like. You know, they were all in. They were they were really happy, motivated, and not satisfied, but yeah, just not, completely engaged. Engaged is the word. Not to mention Howard. This is the first tournament, so now when you win those first two games, now there's going to be a sense of we're a team of destiny. That that if he wasn't a player, and listen, it's not the same being a player, but the players are look, meaning Howard was a player. He's the first time coach and. Uh, as a head coach. Now, was he an assistant under Beeline? One sec. Yeah, I think he was. We'll see. But to me... No, he'd, he'd been working uh, as a Miami Heat assistant up until this job. Okay, so now that's good, right? Because, I mean, you, under uh, the Heat and, and Riley... And yeah, all with Bolster since 2013. Yeah, I mean, if you got seven years under here and you're learning the X's and O's, but you're not learning the tournament. So let's call that a slight disadvantage initially at least. But now, one, this is a tournament unlike any other, right? The locale and such. I think, if anything, this team is a team on a mission. You think they're going to get lackadaisical with Howard and, and the, the, the guy that would, you know, part, keep part of the Fab Five? I, I think you, what you just recalled in your repressed memory from the bench is exactly what I would have guessed. I didn't watch that game. But I'm thinking they either get lumped in with as one of the worst before. You know, even if they lose, if they lose a Sweet 16 round. If you're number one seed and you lose in the Sweet 16, it's a huge disappointment. Sure. So they either are going to get lumped in with all the losers, or they're going to be out there shining with with Juwan Howard. I mean, dude, this line. I mean, this this maybe should be five, five and a half. You know, I just had another epiphany. I know LSU plays fast, and Florida State doesn't play nearly as fast, but they're two very similar teams. Both of them have questionable coaching, and they both have great athletes. Which is who and who? LSU and Florida State. So Michigan, back-to-back, gets to play against a style team that's comparable versus the team they just beat. And when you're a number one seed, you're not going to get out physical by whatever seed. What's Florida State? Four. Yeah, yeah. It's Michigan's better. And that line, by the way, is down to two and a half minus oh five. 
Man, do I like I mean, now listen, unfortunately, our first bat's at three. This one has to be at market, so it's two and a half. I'm going to... Mackenzie, what do you see as the market? Because, I mean, pregame's got the uh, the one. I'm saying if I can get two and a half, oh, five, I mean, I guess this thing keeps getting bat down. I might wait. Well, the whole narrative of the, the Big Ten sucks. Mm -hmm. This I might really take the rubber band off on this one. You at a heritage, you can get minus two, minus oh eight, minus two and a half are common. Minus a couple minus twos, three or four. A few minus twos. Ooh, remember twos the one of the few key numbers in basketball. Four eleven is minus two. That's my yeah minus two late hour ten is. It's not quite worth buying the half point, but it's real close. Like if you told me, yeah, I'd rather would I rather lay minus two and a half, lay one oh eight. Uh, I'm sorry, minus 18 or, excuse so me, let's start say this? You think two's worth about eight cents? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I, I think that's right. And the reason is that there's the uh, uh, intentional missed three throws at the end of games is is what makes two so important, is my always been my understanding. Oh, yeah. Because mathematically, it's going to be times you inordinately keep on two. Yes. A team did what you're mentioning. The team's down three. Mm -hmm. They get intentional foul, foul. They go to the free throw line. They make the first. There's two seconds left. They brick the second one on purpose. Scrum for the rebound. Clock runs out. Just, win by two. And, yes. that, and there may be other reasons. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I guess there is another reason. If you're down by two, you got the team. Well, I guess they're not ever going to have a choice of a free throw. I was just thinking about that. But uh, there's the math behind it. That's one of the reasons I've always And, and teams more and more now down, down, uh, up by three will foul, making the team make the first one and then be down by two with seconds left. Yeah, we just covered that, right? Well, no, no, it's no, no, no. slightly he's, different. No, no, he's saying no, – what he's saying is – say yours one more time, Mackenzie. When a team is up by three and their opponent has the ball, more and more, especially in the NBA – All right, so, so slow down. Yeah. Take a breath. You don't have to scream. Mm -hmm. It's a conversation. All right, so you're saying, okay, they're going down, they're wanting to get their three. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay, so you are saying the same thing, is the team's going to be shooting two down by three, and they're going to miss the second one on purpose. Yes. But what he's saying is, and it is the same thing, but he's saying here's why this happens more than you might think. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Is because of the fouling on the – and that's actually a very good point. And, and there you go. And so, there's, there's a second factor also. Quickly, please. If the game's tied – with 35 seconds left, you'll hold the ball for your final shot. Whether you, if you miss it, you go to overtime. You get another kick at the can to try to land it too. If you make your shot and you go up two, you're leaving me usually two, three seconds left. That's usually the final game so ends by so two. So it's isolating a kind of a binary that you either going to fall in two. And again, they might make it three, but you know, okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Livers. Is that how you say it? Or livers. 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 All right. He says he won't rule himself out, but he's saying it would be miraculous. Now, again, if if I was out, I would say, oh, my God, hardly anyone could even walk. <laughs> but if I come back, it's going to be Willis Reed style. Legendary. And if I don't, <laughs> assume none of you could have either. So, okay, I got it, livers. The Fonz doesn't like liver. Remember? I do remember that. Yeah, he, yeah. That was one of his fears. It's like kryptonite. He had a phobia. Hey, listen, when you're 5'6", you got a leather jacket. The thing about the Fonz's leather jacket, it had, like, cuffs on it, like, from a carnigan. It was really weird. But it's in the Smithsonian, so who are we to judge? I mean, you copied your hairstyle off him. He's cool. Did, at what age did you start? Did you Have you ever gone in as a kid and said, give me the Fonzie cut? Never. Oh, I, I would have bet a big money you have. 
I'm R.J. Bell. That's Steve Bezik, a.k.a. the Fawns of Sports Batting. <laughs> you, I mean, all the nerds love the Fawns. You must have loved the Fawns. Oh, remember, big time. Remember the way he treated Richie really good? Yeah. Were you kind of thinking that's how that dude was from Chuck and Buck? Or... Uh, <laughs> My friend Bruce. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is he like the Fonz being nice? Yeah. Huh. But the Fonz did like Richie. They were friends. Yeah, but that that was TV. Yeah. Unfor- <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this was different. <laughs> you want to hear something hilarious? I mean, I about emailed Mackenzie, but then I thought, nah. Is... <laughs> There was a, you can look it up, the New York Times. I just happened to see it on YouTube. It said the best acting of the century. So it was like 20 years in, or it was from last year, 20 years in. And they asked like people, you know, like famous actors, what do you think was the best performance of the century? And no crap. They asked the guy, uh, the guy from Crazy, or the guy, the big Lebowski guy, Jeff, uh, what's his name? Bridges? Jeff Bridges, yeah, not Daniel. Excuse me, Jeff Bridges. And no freaking lie. He goes, ah, what was that guy's name? White, white. He goes, from Chuck and Buck. <laughs> I swear to God. He goes, that he goes, that was awesome. It's like Bridges won the best. I mean, Crazy Hearts, he won the Oscar. It's one of the I mean, the big Lebowski is the big Lebowski, right? It's awesome. But if you've and listen, this is probably this might be my favorite movie the last five years. If it's not, it's right there. And it's called um, Hell or High Water. And it was, have you seen it, Mackenzie? Have not, no. Oh, my gosh. So it's about two brothers. One brother just got out of prison. You know, they're maybe 35. And they're in Texas. And... The brothers haven't really been close for a while because of the prison and all that, but they have a special bond. And the good brother, the non-prison brother, owes like, I don't know, $30,000, like a real number. And within like seven days a week, and if not, they get their land taken. But they found out there's oil on the land. So it's like the whole family's future is on making that like 25 or whatever. And they start robbing banks. And it's not like some campy stuff. It's not like uh, Oliver Stone. And that, that's a good movie, the one with Woody Harrelson, but um, Juliette Lewis. But it, it's really like uh, what are people pushed to and what will they do? You know, will you steal to keep your kid uh, from starving kind of thing? And Jeff Bridges plays a sheriff or or actually a um, Texas Ranger who's like a month from retirement. And it is, it is so good. It is so good. I mean, I what's the IMDB is probably like an eight, three, eight, four. I mean, it's so good, but it, it, it's a commentary on, you know, there was an Indian, uh, there was a certain tribe that they were talking about a good bit. And that they were the toughest tribe back in the day. And he goes, you know, Bridges at one point goes, the way that, you know, the Indians, you know, the Indians land was taken or however he said it. 
And I mean, it kind of was political, but it wasn't overly so, I didn't think. And he goes, that's the same way these, because they were sitting in this town that had nothing. It was a, because they were staking out the banks, right? This just doesn't give much away. And Bridges is looking around just kind of saying, look at this, there's nothing here. There's like one restaurant, you know, like the same old lady's been there for 40 years, dust, like one motel with four rooms and like a, a&P, you know, like literally looks like it's the 50s. And this is modern. And he's like, look at this. And then he, he points to the bank and he's like, these people have taken, you know, it's like the idea that, you know, the financial crisis in 2008 and the bailouts and all of this has created an environment where people, the middle class or lower middle class, middle class are being hollowed out and having things taken from them the same way that the Indians did. And it's someone from, you know, that's in the same, you know, it's like whoever the predator is, the apex predator is just going to, that's American way. It's going to gobble you up. And if you're part of that crowd, great. If you're not, bad luck on you. And like the idea that now we're going to stop, now, you know, smallpox and the blankets and all that, that was fine. But now we're done. Well, it's probably not going to happen. And the idea of how do they fight back, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, any comments, Mackenzie? A lot of people feel like, you know, like rampaging and pillaging the earth stopped in like 1967. It, 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 just different, just different, you know, 1967? Well, there was a 68 Chicago convention. We know it didn't stop up to that point. Aaron Sorkin will tell you about it. <laughs> I know an old man who split when I was four years old. You know what he left me? He left me a strong box and no key. I had to run over that thing three or four times and I finally sprung the lock. You know what was inside? Yeah, the key and that's it. <laughs> Think on that. All right, next conversation. Well, so, Pac-12, I'm not sure, but I'm, oh, back to the game. Finishing this, you're in a horrible spot here. You gotta see it, right? I, I do. And uh, you know, and the and, market's and, moving with you. Though. Yeah, the market, CLV, market, baby. CLV. There's a lot of public money in the market right now. I don't think the public's really like steaming Florida State right now. I think. Listen, I, here's the beauty of it. If it's something that is like baseball, I don't think we, you know. I don't think you can beat the the algorithms. It's just it's it's too. It's there's a reason baseball was the first to get cracked by analytics, it's because they isolate it. It's a pitcher against a hitter. And there's other factors, but it's like a bunch of one-on-one competitions. Uh, How to handle Michigan's mindset, given these particulars, how to handle Michigan relative to the Big Ten, there's no algorithm for it. And to me, it's when that, you know, like when Kasparov played... Deep Blue in, I think, 96, he talked about before Deep Blue took a step forward and better, better itself, or the humans did, is he used to have anti-computer moves, Kasparov did, which was there were certain moves that he thought that he thought the computer couldn't handle. It didn't know how to calculate them. So he would try to get to that. And to me, I want to compete. Like, I, the reason I think I'm as good as most anyone in the NFL is because I don't believe the algorithms with only 16 games. I don't think the stats guys can do it. I don't. I don't think it can just be stats. 
Now, once you get down to the per play, maybe. But I don't know if that really applies everywhere. I think there are, you know, Belichick. There's different things that just aren't in the computers. And, and I know that to whatever degree they can figure out the NFL, they can figure out NBA much better because there's 82 games instead of 16, right? More data. More data. And yeah. baseball even more. Even more. So to me, the, the sports that still give you a chance, college basketball is going to be one of them. Now, Ken Palm's as good as seemingly anything. So now the question is, what is not in Ken Palm? Or when people vary from Ken, when the market varies from Ken Palm, is there a legitimate reason or is there an identifiable reason? Now this market's now moving almost two points away. Michigan's supposed to be favored by four. And I'm saying why? I can say bias against the Big Ten. And I feel pretty good. Like if you can explain why a lot numbers off, you feel a lot better about it. Mm-hmm. So net net, do you That's really strong. Fade the obvious line move that you could say, oh, you know, Joe Blow, you got you want to bet on the Big Ten or against the Big Ten? He's gonna bet against the Big Ten. He's just been listening. The 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 bet the more basketball he's watched the past 72 hours, the more likely he is to bet bigger and bet against the Big Ten. And I also would say this, now that it's so low, it's almost like it's so low now, Michigan favored by two and a half, that some people are going to think I'm still getting points. Like, even if it drops to one, one and a half, they're going to be like, hey, I got, I'm betting against the Big Ten, and Michigan doesn't have that one guy, and I'm getting points. And did you see Florida State against a Pac-12 school? <laughs> I mean, God, that's worth a point and a half even. <laughs> I, I think this is shaping up to be a monster game. And somehow you had the other side, Steve. Yeah, well, I got the. But it's only, I might get the CLV. We'll see. We'll you, see. You only have four hundred dollars bet on there it. There you go. Hundred from straight out of Vegas and three hundred here. You want to buy out? No. All right. Who do you like there, Mackenzie? I like the Wolverines. I think you're smart. I think you're smart. Why did you pause? I paused because I was. No. Why did Mackenzie pause? Because he was taking a breath and giving it. <laughs> and he wanted to make sure he got the nickname right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't think he knows the Michigan? He knows, Wolverine? but he just did my, that. My brother went there, and I wasn't going to mention it because it has nothing to do with anything, so that's why I paused. <laughs> you had someone go to Michigan? Yep, big bro Seth. Ew. <laughs> Ew. He couldn't get in Ohio State? He couldn't get anywhere else. Anywhere else. <laughs> oh, listen, they're <laughs> condescending to Michigan. Is Michigan better in Northwestern, Fed? Academically, I think it all depends. That's a yes. <laughs> no, it, it depends. So I was like, well, you know, when it comes to, like, teaching middle school geometry, we got the uh, seventh best program in the country. I, I, I think if you took the average Michigan student versus the average Northwestern student and you put them in an academia bowl, I would take the Northwestern guy. But if you took the top five Michigan people in the top five mm. Northwestern, I want Michigan because it's a volume game that, they, you know, their honors programs and the like are just outstanding. Same with Ohio State. Yeah, I'd ship the Michigan or the Northwestern people out of the country. <laughs> I mean, maybe like exchange program or something. Not a lot of smart people up there. Ooh, I wonder why. But like, did you apply to the University of Chicago? No. Because you couldn't get in. I probably could have gotten in. Really? Because University of Chicago was like is a top five school. Yeah, but they got a really good chess team. So they would have, I might have gotten in because did of they, that. Did, did you say you were going to quit? No, they wouldn't have known that. So you actually got admitted under false pretenses. Well, I didn't know I was going to quit until my— Deep down, you know. Until the Chuck and Buck situation. Ooh. 
Um, <laughs> do you think you would have got gotten in Northwestern without Chas? Yes. But so you admit University of Chicago is better. It's just you're thinking you could have transversed that. That yes, gap. yes. Okay. But I, I guess the question is, if you grew up in Chicago, why would you go to Northwestern if you could go to University of Chicago? You wouldn't, typically. Thus, that's why there's a Qual- bunch, of, quality there's a bunch of, of rejects that go to Northwestern. No, it's quality of life. You've got the better quality school. Quality of life. You, know, you do realize kids like to live in big cities. Not they, by the University of Chicago, they don't. Oh, that's well, a war zone. Well, we appreciate you having such a <laughs> sensitive feel of, of the uh, underprivileged areas of Chicago. Well, Mackenzie will agree with me. Is University that, of Chicago is not known for its fun and activities. Northwestern more so. Okay, so but what we're saying is it's not known for the is Yale known for their fun and activities? No, but like the suicide rate, for example, at University of Chicago is like the highest in the yeah, nation. Yeah, because it's a higher yeah. it's a more challenging than Yale, it's, apparently. It's like it's known to be like incredibly intense and challenging. Yeah. That's why Fez wasn't gonna make it there, no. is my point. No way. But what I'm saying is, in general, if a, if you a kid say, "Hey, you could," how far? Where's Northwestern even at? It's like Evanston, 20 Illinois. miles north of Chicago. It's so, like so 20, nowhere. It's like 20 minutes walking from the north of Chicago. But okay. Well, three miles from Howard Street, which I guess is the the border, Evanston go. versus Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Go. So so you can get down to let's say the Gold Coast. How long? 20 minutes. All right. So I didn't realize that. I thought it's actually then effectively in the city. I yeah. mean, it might not be right in the corporation limits, but... You're probably familiar with the song Lakeshore Drive? No. God, no. You don't know Lakeshore Drive? <laughs> no. LSD? Huh? LSD, yes, I'm familiar with that. That's its nickname. Yeah. They, they oh chronicle the drive. The Lakeshore Drive has this, is a song by whom? Aliata, someone in Haynes. What the hell are you talking about? It's a famous Does Zeppelin song. Zeppelin do this? Aliata, Haynes, and Jeremiah. There it is. Who knows this? What year was it out? It's four o'clock in the morning and all the people have gone away. Just you and me on Lakeshore Drive. Tomorrow is another another day. day. (laughs) 1971. (laughs) Mackenzie, why in the hell would you interfere with that sound bite? I I don't know. I hadn't heard that song in forever. It just took me back. You realize you you have a closed mic for a reason? You can always just lift your hand, and you and you can fart. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, we had him singing the goofiest freaking thing we've ever heard. Okay, if there's ever a time to get back to the games. So right now you agree that Michigan's probably motivated. Market's probably overreacted. We're not so sure how good the Pac-12 is. We're not so sure how bad the Big Ten is, though the evidence is directionally, you know, down Big Ten, up Pac-12, down Big 12. But we don't know how much. Yes. Market seems to have overreacted. Yes. So we got a matchup edge in that Michigan, a very, you know, gifted team, is playing a similar type team, LSU, like you said. Florida State now, yeah. Yeah, LSU was the prior team. Right. Obviously, I, I'm the one that's about $400 against you Florida State. Yes. All right. I remember they played Colorado and won by 19, which is effectively 20 and a quarter. Yes, I get it all. Okay, so now line opened up six, which sounds like about right, and it's down to two and a half. And Fed says, give me that. Give me that short number. Perfect. And we got, th- well, you got 100 at three and uh, 300 at two and a half. And now it's two, so you got closing line value. 
I'll even give you that. Anything else? I'm not so sure. This would be interesting where this closes. I hope pick him because I'm going to take off the rubber band. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this isn't, though, my best bet. I've got two best bets coming up. All right, let's go through the rest of these. Loyola, well, let's go through the uh, Pac-12. So UCLA, anything special, USC. All right, so Ken Palm says uh, USC by four. And Michigan by four, as we said. Let me ask you about this USC game because these teams played earlier in the year. Yeah, they're in the same conference. And USC led 15 to nothing to start the game. Okay. So now I'm wondering, you know, is that a mass, a, a mismatch, a matchup edge for USC here? Or and how much did they win the game by? They won by 14, 72 58. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I don't know how that would be any different than a normal 15 pointer, but. So I know you like small sample size, so we what do we know? Well, it's just so unusual for a team to, like, jump so much all over a team. and, and, and But then build. actually lose, not gain, actually be minus one from there? Well, that's not unusual, but I'm saying— But what I'm saying is you can make two different arguments. Hmm. You could make an argument that, you know, they weren't able to extend that lead at all. Hmm. So a team kind of came in slow, and I don't know. I'm not one to try to guess. Uh, you, listen, what we know for sure is if the Big Ten had gone— you know, won every game they lost and lost every game they won, the narrative would be, well, I tell you, familiarity with the venue, that's what matters. It's like when you're going to have an answer regardless, it means the answer is meaningless, right? So I don't know. Anything else? All right, next game. Well, UCLA-Alabama, roll tide, as Dave Asler is saying right now. So you talked Asler in an extra 300, huh, with the Gonzaga? Yes. (laughs) Uh, it's a good time to shift to Loyola Chicago, who is favored now. Now, Oregon State's what seed? 12. Okay. So 12 against an 8, and the line is uh, Ken Palm says 7, Market says 6.5. They were number 9 on Ken Palm, but seeded 8. Now, here's the question. Were they trying to knock out Loyola by giving them the tough, the second toughest number one by all accounts, Illinois? Or were they trying to knock out Illinois with a tough eight? Because remember, when Wichita had Kentucky, you're like, they're yeah. trying to, you could say they're trying to, I think that they're going after Loyola, saying, hey, you had your run last time. We don't want you to have any more fun this time because it, it, it works against the hegemony of the big six. I agree with that. Did and you learn hegemony in Northwestern? No, I'm just I'm. <laughs> I do not know that word. Look at that, Mackenzie. Go ahead. I'm still not confident whether it is a word or whether you're just playing with my mind now. We'll see. Loyola, by the way, is on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> I drove right. LSD. Yeah, LSD. It's yeah. just past North. It's between Northwestern. So and downtown. when people will say, "Hey, did you take LSD?" <laughs> yes. Yeah, I bet that gets old fast. Go ahead. Uh, you know, this Loyola team is absolutely unique. Good, good. It's good. They have good defense. But it's very rare that you see a team that's rated this high, exactly, that plays really <laughs> slow and just plays really good defense. How good defense? Well, if you look at how many, just how many points you give up. Loyola, number one in the country, give up right around 55 points per game. Are you from the USA Today capsule? Well, I think it's interesting that there's only two teams that give up under 60, and Loyola's, you know, gives well, up 55. The number one team in the country. Well, they on defense. they make people uncomfortable because they they're deliberate on offense. They're good. 
on offense, but they're deliberate. They run that shot clock down. And the one thing that differentiates them from everyone else, and we saw that against Illinois, I saw so many teams run the shot clock down and just get horrible shots at the end of the shot clock. And this Loyola team is the master when there's like 10 feel, seconds left. Do you feel left. like they're running the clock down or are they looking for at each stage there's a certain level of shot a certain level of shot that warrants them shooting. That is so well said. Exactly what you said, where they're looking for a 65% shot in the first 10 seconds, then a 60% shot, etc. They are extremely intelligent in their shot selections throughout the entire possessions. Okay, time for a little education, Faz. Read that, McKenzie. Hegemony, noun, leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group. Now think about that. There's a, isn't that the perfect way to describe the dominance of the big six? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leadership or dominance, especially by a country or social group. This is a loose configuration of greedy people that eat a bunch of shrimp. <laughs> and they don't want anyone getting in the way of their shrimp buffets no matter what. But Loyola got in the way three what, years ago, didn't and what, they? And what happens with the hegemony is that everyone capitulates underneath it there's it's like the board coming around saying this is the way it is you <laughs> with us or are you against us well sister jean said bring it on <laughs> all right so i agree with you the ncaa tournament is not a running gun tournament typically your ability to play a half court game matters your ability to play defense matters and loyola is a team that there's multiple articles out and Google News and such, USA Today, Today had one, which says this team could win it. What they did to Illinois was not a fluke. I mean, it's not like Illinois played their worst game. I mean, it felt like Illinois played their, a normal game and just got beat, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, there was no flukiness whatsoever. And, in fact, what was the most shocking is that Loyola's big fat guy in the middle outplayed Illinois' you know, athletic it's, center. It's big-boned, big-boned. Big-boned. Husky, maybe. Yes. Just fat? You just say fat? I don't know if he could jump over the Sunday paper without the ads. I mean, are you really lifting something said by the announcer in the game? <laughs> he didn't include the ads. <laughs> so if we were to let you, you do realize, if I would have just kind of not like looked at you and just blink like you do to me, what would you have done? Would you have explained where it came from? No. And you realize there's like probably 200,000 people that would have thought, oh, he's a plagiarist. Mm. Me bad. So what's bad is, is that people would find out you're a plagiarist. Oofa. I know an old man who's... <laughs> All right, next game. Or we're going through these. Oral Roberts. All right, so let's talk about the number of upsets and stuff. So, Mackenzie, each round we've got a way to quantify it. The first round, we put together a new database. We might be making this public. We'll see. I don't think we'll be able to in time for this tournament. But um, we went back to 85. We've got – what do we got so far? We got all the results. All the spreads are in there? No, only the game results, 85 to present. Okay. And we got the seeds, though. Yeah, and all the seeds. And how long is it taking to get the spreads in there? We should have it by uh, – end of the week right definitely all right so if we're looking at the number above 12 seeds so worse than 12s how many do you advance at all one round is 
about one a year, a little more than one a year since 1985, which is the modern era of the tournament with 64 teams. And even with the planes, you start on the first main day with 64, as I call it, round one. It's round one. If you don't like it, deal with it. Round one. Not the round of 64. Okay. It can be that, but it's round one. Other ones are the pigtails. Those are people trying to see if they even get to be in round one. This year, four teams worse than a 12. Now, I'm going to do a quick calculation. That's about four times as much. Four versus one. So that's kind of the in the first round, what happened? Why was there high variance? Like the pregame guys were predicting, well, we told you why we think it's happened or why it's going to happen, and it did four times as many going from round one to round two. Okay. Now, from round two, we want to say, well, how many of those won? Because typically, if a team has a big upset, they usually struggle the next game. It might be they're excited, the emotions, whatever. I think it has a lot to do with it. It's also they're just not very good. That's why they were underdogs to start with. They got lucky, shooting, whatever, matchups. Usually that neck. And plus, no one's taking them for granted after the upset. All right. This year, though, some of those upsets continued, Oral Roberts, et cetera. So now what I said was let's add up the seed count of the 16 teams. It's going to come up with a number. How's that number compare to other numbers? Now, my understanding is this is from a report. I don't remember whose, whom's, no, whose, that this was the highest collection of seeds, the biggest collection with the highest seeds since 1986, the second year of the modern era. Okay, let's assume that's right. The question is, how much higher is it than any of the last 10 years? So if we look at the Sweet 16 back to 2010, this is amazing because we were looking at the 10 years and saying, what is it, blah, blah, blah. But this jumps out the most. This year, the average seed is about a six seed. So 5.9, so it's like a little bit better than a six seed making the Sweet 16. Okay, the last tournament, 2019, the average seed was a little bit better by smidge than a three seed. So literally, last tournament, three seed average in the Sweet 16. This tournament, nearly a six seed. That's double, Steve. Holy upset. Holy upset. <laughs> That's it, Batman. So we saw in the first round. We saw in the second round. What's going to happen in the third round? So, Fez, we see first round ton of or more upsets than usual by a significant margin next round more upsets than usual by a significant margin variance uncertainty all the issues we've talked about why we like the over 10 and a half on the seed props for the final four do you think that this continues as you look at it going into this this unusual calendar and maybe recount the calendar for us. The Sweet 16 goes when? Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And the Elite Eight? Monday and Tuesday. Okay. So what they did was they said, we're pushing everything two days. Yes. To what end? You know, I'm really not sure. It seems like if they're in a bubble environment, why would they make it longer? Like, there's no traveling. <laughs> All I can think of is that they were fearful of the, if there was a COVID test that maybe that the teams would have enough time mm -hmm. that they could turn around and then well, you know yeah. get. So, so if there's contact tracing, it's five yeah. days. Yeah. 
All right, I can see that actually. Um, by the way, the, the with the forfeit, how'd the books handle that? It's a refund if you bet on the game, okay. even if it was a money line or a um, a um, point spread refund. Okay. But if you bet um, on the futures and you're unfortunate enough to bet Virginia Tech during throughout the season, you lose. You had action, even though they forfeited. Yeah, just like if you didn't make the tournament. Yes. Okay. All right. What do you think happens from here? Do you expect a continuation of the upsets? What? I think the upsets are going to continue. I think the teams that didn't expect necessarily to make the Sweet 16 typically, oftentimes it's really a negative that they go back home to their campus and then they celebrate. They're rock heroes. They're like, hey, you know, you guys came through and it's a celebratory week. I think it's much better for those teams to stay in the bubble or the virtual bubble, if you will, in Indiana and not be distracted by all that adulation of exceeding expectations. I think there's something there. I think there's something there. And plus, you know, they're heading back. If they're going back to wherever, wherever Oral Roberts is, and they're seeing their buddies, they, they're seeing the girl, you know, they're even going three, four deep with the, hey, you want to swing by on Tuesday night kind of thing. Make sure it's after midnight. Knock twice. And uh, they're not going to have that. So if anything, it keeps them focused. By the way, Though everyone's bracket seemingly got busted up, mine wasn't great. And some people might think, oh, RJ had Ohio State because he graduated from the Ohio State University. No, I promise. I bet against the Buckeyes more than I bet on them. To me, what I started dabbling in, and I'm going to have to really dig in for next year, I think it's really intelligent or thoughtful, is the idea of how many people are betting or how many people are picking something versus what the chances are. So if we want to call this uh, metagame, do we want to call it, I guess this is game theory. So the theory was Ohio State had, and I know that, you know, some of our guys uh, specifically, I think both Asler and AJ didn't like Ohio State against Oral Roberts. They liked Oral Roberts. But not to necessarily win the game. Uh, Sixteen point. But still, if they, dog. I mean, come on. Yeah, but if they think the line is three points off, yeah. it's going to make you more inclined to play. You know, to bet against them or pick the underdog to advance, but probably not a fifteen. Yeah. But to me, it was okay. Uh, I can't remember the site. Might have been. Might have been team rankings, but they had something where it was like, okay, here's what we project their chances to win, and it was Ken Palm ask type. And here's the percentage of people that's got them picked. And the theory was if they had an 8% chance to win, but only 5% of people had them picked, that there's an overlay there. There's, a, there's an opportunity if you're right about it, then not only are you going to be right, but every more, I mean, a disproportionate number of people are going to be wrong. Similar to taking a horse 20 to 1 that wins 10% of the time, right? There's value there. Yeah, but that would be if the points – if there were direct points given for each victory, but in this case, it's, I guess, implicit. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess what you're saying is if you make the payoff in this tantamount to the number of people that win and the number of people that lose, yes. But most people I've known until recently haven't even thought about that in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they think we want upsets. We don't want to go all chalk. But they didn't look at the, you know, I guess it's just the... All the pick, because now they got all the ESPN brackets so people can scrape it and really mm-hmm. see, like, up until the last minute what's going on. 
So I let some of that stuff drive some of the picks as tiebreakers. Sure. And, it, you know, high State obviously didn't go well. So we had uh, over 10.5 seeds for the Final Four. Fez, you made an interesting point. There was one game that if it had gone a certain way, we would have literally had that bet locked up. Yeah, so Houston, the two-seed advanced. They almost lost to Rutgers. They trailed by eight with four minutes to play. RJ, your bet wins if Rutgers wins that game. And Rutgers was a significant money line favorite in live wagering. If Rutgers had won that game, you'd have a Midwest region with an 8, 10, 11, and 12 left, regardless of who made it. Obviously, over 10.5 would have cashed. Okay, so now the question is, how do we lose? Because the sad thing is we can lose. So Gonzaga could be a number one. Obviously, Baylor could be uh, getting to the Final Four. Um, we just need an eight. Yeah, you, the only way you don't win is if Houston makes the Final Four. If Houston doesn't make it, you win automatically. Okay. So that's the first. It's almost like election night, right, where there's, you've got all these different paths to victory here. All right, all right. So let's hope there's not a bunch of mail on balance. <laughs> yes. So now let me, say, let me say this is if, let's assume, Houston makes it, now who's the other teams? Because, again, I guess we could get there with like two fours or whatever, but no, I guess not even two fours because that would take like a four and a five. So what's the other ways to win? UCLA wins. You 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 cash immediately, and mm -hmm. they you know certainly they've got a legitimate chance. You've got a six and a seven. Either USC or Oregon is going to make the sweet. It's going to make the elite eight. Mm -hmm. Probably going to cash if either one of them can beat Gonzaga. So that would be oh well yeah if they beat Gonzaga we're probably in good shape. There you go. All right. So what would you say to pray? I, I feels like we're maybe minus two fifty here. I was going to go like minus two forty. Well, yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Minus 250. Important yes. distinction there. <laughs> important distinction. I mean, what's noteworthy isn't that we were that close. It was that you, Price is Right style, decided to go a little lower. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. So is there anything else in the tournament? Well, I want to ask you about one game. Okay. Arkansas knocked off Texas Tech. And Arkansas... I remember them knocking off Colgate. <laughs> Arkansas shot four for 17, so they shot under 25% from three. And Tech made 50% of their threes. So this is very unusual that you have a team, Arkansas comfortably won, but they really struggled from three-point land, and Tech was very good. Is, does that give you a reluctance to bet against Arkansas the rest of the way? It's just one game. So explain why? Because, I, mean, I heard the facts, but what, like, kind of uh, explain the logic. Because I would have expected Arkansas would have lost that game against Texas Tech. I'm like, ah, they missed their threes. Their opponent made half their so, threes. So that makes Ar so that theory is Arkansas played intangibles or something, and thus you would like Arkansas more, right? That's right. I'm bullish okay. on Arkansas because of that one the, game. But see, it's back to the idea that this is one game out of whatever. Right. Right, so I mean, has have they done this all? Year? I mean, it's like this isn't the this isn't like the uh, you know golf tournament when they used to play skins when Nicholas was already retired and he only <laughs> yeah. played once a year. I mean, like, sure. how was Arkansas? There? I mean, you do have the ability to go back and look at those. Well, games. it was just such a big difference in 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 the. No, I understand. It's so it's almost like a team is like minus four in turnovers. No, and no wins. I understand the concept, but yeah. I would look at the other games. Yeah. No, just the one. I would say that if I was somehow forced to only look at that game, I would be like, hmm, that's impressive. Any other questions? Oh, you got another one? Oh, hold on. This is Fez's thing. 
is a delicacy. Go ahead. Syracuse plays that unique 2-3 zone. Everybody knows about the Syracuse zone. Fez, you know about it, right? Sure. Ooh, I bet that's part of the reason they advance. It's unfamiliar. Okay, so we did a little study on it. Bayheim, a lot of years in the tournament. How'd he do versus what he was expected? Now, Fez had a nice little chart. How many wins is a team of a certain seed supposed to have? Fez, maybe you can get that chart out. You can run it down real quick so we'll get a gauge here. So we compared it to 1985 to present. Isn't it interesting? Again, Beheim went before that. When did he start? In 76? That's right. How old was he? Let's see. Take a gander. I mean, lordy be. Okay. So how many wins was expected by seed in all these years? So give me the uh, read here. So a number one seed's expected to win four games. Go ahead. Two seed, 2.7. 1.9, 4 seed 1.3, 5 seed 1 win, 6 seed 0.8, 7 .7, 8 seed 0.6, 9, 10, 11, and 12 seeds all supposed to win a half, 13 seed 0.4, 14 seed 0.2, 15 seed 0.1. Number 9. The funny nine. thing was you said all those numbers number and you nine. skipped the three seed. Like somewhere, no, you said the number, but you didn't say the seed. You go the uh, one, the two, and then you said whatever the next one was. And the four, like why skip just the three? <laughs> I don't know. All right. But at least we had numbers. So, Bayheim with a zone that's unfamiliar to many. Plus, when you shoot from outside. I think this is important, but it's just like it's not new, but we we're trying to quantify it. How old was he in 76? 31 years young. And how old is he now? 80 what? <laughs> 76. Imagine being at the same school. I mean, that's kind of cool in a way. Is he supposed to no, his son has got one more year left? Buddy Beheim? Let me see. I think so. So I wonder if he'll go out with his boy. Wouldn't it be funny if they came out of the tournament? Like he was right <laughs> on the border. To go play the NIT, Beheim. Currently See? a junior, Buddy Beheim. Okay. So the average tournament wins for these Syracuse teams was 1.9. So that means he almost made the Sweet 16 on average. By seed, he was expected to win 1.6. So you might say, hey, a third of a win every season, that's no big deal, FAD zone. But if we add it up, how many in aggregate additional wins did Bayheim achieve that were beyond expectation? 8.6 wins. So almost nine wins. So he could have won a tournament and gotten three rounds in almost more than average in just 70 years. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> 35 years. That's pretty good. You're underwhelmed? I, I was thinking about an analogy. I don't know if it works. It's oh, like, odds are it doesn't. It's, it's like a par golfer that plays two rounds, and he shoots nine under for those two rounds. All right, so two rounds. Oh, all, right, all right, all right. So you're saying 36 holes. I like it. It worked. That's a shocker, actually. <laughs> How'd that work? The, somehow it was. It's the one time you actually pause and wonder if it was going to work. It was like gold. <laughs> that works, doesn't it? Absolutely gold. 36, 36 years, about exactly. Now. What we should—he's even thinking of Bayheim's night last year with his his son. 
Now, <laughs> what we're going to do is look at Coach K. We're going to look at some of the big names and just, you know, Bobby mm -hmm. Knight. Let's see who did the best. Okay. All right, I think that wraps up the tournament. Let's talk a little NFL. Now, once you do something as good as you can do it, why do it again? That's my question. That's what Fez told his wife that first night. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Wait, that's what she told you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got what you paid for. <laughs> that was funny. All right. <laughs> Like they said in the great movie, St. Elmo's Fire. You ever see that, Mackenzie? I haven't yet. That's with Tom Hanks, right? No. Oh, my goodness. I'm when thinking you... of the bonfires of the vanity, maybe. <sighs> yes. Very similar. One about college kids playing saxophone. <laughs> the other about rich millionaires in New York City, <laughs> the socialites. Yes. Thomas Wolfe wrote one, and who knows? <laughs> but there's a scene where... There's a um, lady of, uh, is it a lady of color, person of color that's a prostitute? How do you say it? A lady of the night and a person well, of color. A lady of, night, lady of the night who happened to be <laughs> a person of color. And again, this was 19, I think, 85, 86, where you had the dude who was, uh, uh, he was kind of the nerdy one. I can't remember his name. But he ended up being the one that was in um, uh, with Molly Ringwald when, he, when he's dating. Like, she's like, he's slumming it with her. Uh, I don't remember if I was pretty in pink or what. But anyway, a a Andrew, Andrew McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Andrew McCarthy. So he's, he's walking in, and he, like, hasn't had, let's say, um, intimacy that leads to climax for a long time, you know, based on the show, the movie. And there's a lady of the night who happened to be a lady of color. <laughs> and she's like high as a kite. Again, coincidental. And, or maybe it's a, kind of the depictions that perpetuate the stereotypes. I see that's the thing. I don't know. And she's like, hey, baby. Real husky voice, too. Hey, baby. And she goes, you want a date? He goes, ha, ha, I don't pay for sex. She looks good. Everybody pays. That stuck with me. <laughs> right? Like you're paying for dinner. You're paying for the movies. You're paying for the ring. For the prenup to be drafted. I mean, it's <laughs> not cheap. Okay. We... <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? We were talking about the NFL, right? Yes. But what topic? We I didn't get into the topic. Not yet. Okay. So we got two topics. RJC's the future. No, no, no. Yeah, we've been doing good. So one is I'm going to give my pick. And you know what I'll do? I'll give it right now, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. But we did it. We were talking about doing it once, and why do it again? Okay. So in a minute, Aaron Rodgers, here is my pick. And this is my biggest NFL pick so far and probably will be the biggest NFL pick. $1,000 is a cool G, as we call it back home. Are you at liberty to play for that, Stanley? Would you prefer to play for smiles? So, Faz, you didn't like this initially, so I'm thinking you can get a little bit of your appetite sated for the other side of this. But I like the Washington 
football team, and apparently news today says they might keep that moniker, the Washington football team, to win the NFC East. Okay, why? One, I'm a fan of Fitzmagic. I think that if you really think about it, forget the pie in the sky. Washington probably wasn't going to get one of the top four quarterbacks coming out of the draft. And I'm not even sure that they'd be better, but let's kind of say maybe. And they weren't going to get Russell Wilson. They weren't going to get Deshaun Watson if he's not incarcerated. And what's the status on that? Not incarcerated currently. No, but what I'm saying is it got to like 16 or something now? 24 women say that they're going to file lawsuits. And like 16 have or whatever? Yeah, around there. Now, is it the same attorney in Houston that's doing all the suits? Yes. Okay, I don't like, I mean, I guess that makes me a little bit suspicious. But, again, I don't think you could, I mean, the funny thing is if you were really doing a conspiracy, like if you were trying to run a real scam, like that lawyer, you'd only get two or three people. Mm. That's going to be enough. So in a weird way, all of that is probably a sign. And he wouldn't take the cases. If he was running a scam with three, he wouldn't want those cases because he, he can't control that. He can control his people if it were a scam, I'm saying. So, listen, we don't we can have fun and all that, but we're not going to, you know, innocent until proven guilty. OJ can eat dinner anywhere I'm at. And, again, I get it. The odds are OJ did it. But the basic premise in this country is that if you're not convicted, and even if you are convicted, then you pay your price and you paid your debt. And now you go and live your life. Because if it weren't for that, now what? If you make it where everyone gets persecuted their whole lives, what happens? They got nothing to lose. There's nothing as bad as uh, someone inclined to crime that's got nothing to lose. So, amongst... Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and the big four. And let me ask you this, Fez. Who would you rather have, Fitzpatrick, or which of the big four coming out of college this year do you think over the course of 16 games would be a better quarterback than Fitzpatrick? Probably just Lawrence. Okay. So there's three quarterbacks that were available better than Fitzpatrick. And we're not even saying Russell Wilson's available, but at least people speculated. Sam Darnold? Hell no. Hell no. Oh, my God. Sam Darnold. Oof. uh, I'd be selling my tickets so fast your head would spin. Okay. Who else? I don't know. I mean, I guess guess Stafford you got to put in the mix. Yes. Yes. But he's certainly better. But but that's it. So they but that's been months or whatever a month. Six yeah, years. that that um, a ship has sailed. Yes. So now the question is, unless they hit some crazy home run, they got their best person, and you got to wonder who could they have had if not for him. Meaning, if it was getting later and later, you might be stuck where you you don't have anyone. Heineke starting. Yeah. So to me, that was a huge signing. Also, a number of good free agent signings for Washington. PFF has him as the second best. Now, Fez, you've got back up real quick with Fitzmagic. You got him ranked where? Fourteenth. Fourteenth. Read the thirteen above. In fact, give me. I'll read it. The thirteen above. This is an order. Yep. Okay. Herbert, Brady, Stafford, Mayfield, Carr, Prescott, Tannehill, Jackson, Josh Allen, Watson, Wilson, Rogers, Mahomes. 
Those are all, I mean, Mayfield, we can put a question mark there. I can't believe you got Mayfield over Stafford. That's freaking insane. Change that for your own health. The idea you got Carr above Stafford? My gosh. And Brady, you just want to be wrong about it. I give you credit. You're, you're going to be known as a Brady hater regardless. One year I'll get it right. Yes, yes. Cousins? Oh, wow. You really think Fitzpatrick's better than Cousins? I do. You're, I mean, you're back to back top ten years QBR. I understand, but under that theory, he was he was like number four and number seven, Steve. So if we're going to assume that, he should be five. Sure. So what we dismiss it? Or no, what? we just so you know it's part of the equation. You have, what's the other part? Proprietary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know. I don't pass my eye test. Wentz is twenty. Boy, it's a, it's lit. I like to bet. Can I bet against this list somehow? That'd be interesting. What would I have to lay to go QBR on any any t, any quarterback that's above? I can bet the one below him. So I can bet, you know, in theory, I could bet Brady against Stafford, Mayfield, Carr, like anyone above him. Minus a dollar twenty. You get to pick. And how and, and how many can I pick? As many as you want. Really? Sure. Dude, you were making a big mistake right <laughs> no, now. No doubt. I mean, I'm telling you, son, I could put you in the poor house. I might put like 30 <laughs> bets in. So how much? I don't think you'll have that many. 300? Sure. Mackenzie, can you believe this? It's going to be a fun off season. <laughs> you just made a big mistake. Now, here's what I'm going to ask. Can I fix car? For- <laughs> no. This is my, in, in fact, Mackenzie, run out of the control room. Let's print. I want to print on this real quick. Just- I, I just, I just sent him um, a copy. I, I want this one. It's the same. I, I don't believe it. Mackenzie, please come out. Right. This I want this. I want this. Look at he got Hurts last. Oh, my God. Oh, you, oh. What? That's not fair that you can, like. Yeah, this is. Oh, no, great. that is fair. That is fair. It's That's super fair. fair. Super fair. Yeah. I mean, you're saying they're better. You're making me lay 120. Well, the one should be a lot better than the two, and the 31 and the 32 should be just about equal, you know, obviously. But but what we're but, saying, but here's what. So you're laying a dollar 20, yeah? Yeah, I own something equal. Yeah. What I should be negotiating is if it's five or more slots. In fact, you should do that just for your own pride. If it's five or more slots, I should get it even money. Yes, I agree with that. Five or three? You said five. But what do you think is fair? Five's fair. <laughs> Thank you. We're printing it as we speak. All right. So here's what I'm going to ask for. Um, I don't even think I should ask to the draft, but I think I should get 21 days from today. So uh, that's perfect. The show after the NCAA tournament's over. Is that No, that's going to be 14 days, right? Yeah. I need one more week. So every week I'll come in with my pieces. That's so I would say, I, here's my 17 today. Okay. Dude, my God. We're going to have to put this in escrow. <laughs> hey, Phoenix will pay for it all. Well, let's, hey, <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope. That's looking good, though. We gave it right here. I think it was here first. Yeah. And uh, 12 to 1. And uh, I saw what, minus 170? Minus 140. 140. But I actually think minus 170 is probably a more accurate number at this point. I mean, the Lakers are Drawn dead, baby. Drawn dead. And the Clippers, it seems like even, if anything, the Lakers, see, here's the thing now. The Clippers have no idea where they want to be, meaning the jockeying is going to come at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to matter to us. We're going to be far ahead. 
But I think Clippers are like, why do we? If the Lakers are behind us, we're fine is what they're thinking, right? Yeah, and the load management and the like. And the Clippers don't care how many games they win. Phoenix is having, you know, such a rare, special, magical year. They would love to be able to hang up. I don't, are there, is there even a divisional banner that you can hang from your rafters? Why, they'll, they'll create one. A 3D printer. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I, I feel like the Clippers have proved. I mean, Mackenzie, I, I noticed someone was talking about how, you know, you had it early that when the Clippers lose a game, how they react. But they also don't seem to win multiple games in a row. Yeah, j- just recently they broke their streak of six straight straight up and ATS losers coming off a win with, get this, RJ, an average ATS margin of negative 17. That was from mid-February to just recently. So if just this year, if all you did was you play on them, when they had are off a straight up loss, and you play against them when they're off a straight up win. What's your ATS record? Take a minute with that. All right. One last thing, Fest, is, and I'm gonna let's think this through. If one of our bets has one of the participants not reaching uh, sufficient minimums to have a QBR, mm-hmm. what do we do? Because the first thought is whoever doesn't loses because it's like they didn't make the cut. But I think there's too much randomness in that injury, right? How's this sound? If they if they get benched and they don't make it, it's a loss. If they get injured, it's a it's a no action. That's fair. And again, we we can say you know, sure. That's that's fair. I I mean, it'd be one decision. Hmm? I mean, probably what I'm saying is we're not going to like overcheat. If it was like three dimes, we might. But hmm? I mean, you might. Um, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to go. So many people. I don't know. I would have went over Rodgers. Huh. Huh. Jackson, Tannehill. Boy, you got Tannehill high. I think Tennessee's down, by the way. Their defense, they made some mistakes on I mean, getting Bud Dupree was not a good thing for the price they paid. Carr. Did you see what happened to the Raiders O-line? I did. You got Carr above Stafford? Brady? Well, you know, it's interesting. How can I downgrade Carr how, in terms of how good a quarterback he is because the O-line suddenly has issues? But you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in, part it's of the con- working. It's, it's in the context of yeah. the team they're on, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a big problem for you. Wentz, Bridgewater, Ryan. Matt, I tell you, I, you probably didn't follow it this closely. Atlanta made some restructure moves that has him locked in, I think my understanding is for two years, that they cannot trade him. It's like $63 million or something. I think they're going in with Ryan. I think 18 is good as gold. Big Ben, 22. You're optimistic. Winston, Goff, Tua. Boy, you got Tua low. I do. I'm confident in that. Dalton, Locke, Minshew, Darnold. I would have loved if you had Darnold like third. <laughs> that would have been awesome. All right. Wow, that's pretty good. You'd be 26 and 16 against the spread if all you did was bet on after a loss, 11 and 5, fade after a win, 15. Oh, so, so that's interesting. They're not winning a lot. That, so that's been more recent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that said, that really tells us they're not really looking to go on any runs. Yeah, this is a team that clearly does not put their A effort forward each and every game, right? The yeah. mere fact that, that something as simplistic as this works – Tells you this is a spinal tap, eight some nights, 12 the other. Yeah. Or maybe it's more like two and eight. <laughs> and the Suns with Chris Paul, that maniac. I, you, so 12 to one. 
I don't know if I've cashed a bet that big. I, I mean, I'm not. I have. I don't cash. Do you have to sign for like 10k? Do you have to sign? No. All right. Waste management consultant Fed says. <laughs> how do you get it? How do you get a job like that? It's 300 to one. You get. Um, you have to um, pay taxes on. Or, but if it's over 10,000, you have to fill out a currency transaction report if you're paid in cash. I, I have that default. Just when you bring in the brick. <laughs> now, at the, at the dog track, there used to be a certain amount that you had to, they took the taxes out right there. Then there'd be people that would sign for it if it was at a lower, like I think above 600, yeah. you had to um, pay, but below 1,000, you could find someone that's losing their ass all year will sign for it. I, th that was allegedly back in the day. I didn't know. What was I was a kid. What the hell did I know? It, but is that the case? Now, in the casinos, there's nothing. You, oh, you sign for jackpots, right? Yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's 1,200, something close to that. If, if it's above that amount, then... But, you, if, but if you hit like 1,200 bucks on roulette, they don't, they, they, they can't don't, track no, that. No. Okay. All right. Well, let's just say this. For the next three weeks, Mackenzie, I might let you have a piece. You said I had $10 when we made it because I didn't get any, and then I felt bad. I'm like, you're like, I got, I'll get you $10 of it. So, Oh, what are we that. talking about? He's the trying Phoenix? to get Phoenix now, I think. No, no, no. I was talking about the um, – if I said that, you can have it. Just show me the tape. <laughs> um, I mean, that's like giving you 120 now. Let's well, listen. Practically. It's only minus 170. Or at least it should be. I'm. I was saying I'd let you take a piece or two from from again out of Fez's hide on this. On oh his goofy. man! Ooh, yeah, that's spicy. All right. So did I say that I gave you ten? Yep. All right. Well, listen, Mackenzie went. So I I tweeted out my ticket, and um, so I had uh you know took a nice two thousand dollar bite on Washington, so that's to win what seven dimes? Yep. Three and a half to one. And uh, oh, so I'll finish the handicap here. But the um, I told Mackenzie, I go, hey, um, you get me the whole two, uh, you know, get that whole crack out. I'll give you forty bucks extra, a little bonus. I knew the minute I said that, there's no <laughs> chance I wasn't getting that two thousand. I mean, he would have done anything. He would have donned the disguise. How, how long did it take to approve it? Half an hour total. They 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 what? they looked at him and said, take what whatever he wants, no limits. <laughs> Uh-huh. He didn't have his Yale shirt on. No, this is good. This is good. Hey, listen, I appreciate they took the bat. I mean, we can give them, you know, they just said, McKay I mean, William Hill does not take a sharp dollar, and they took, they said, all you can eat, baby, all you can eat to McKenzie. <laughs> you know something, actually thinking about it, I don't fully understand all the dynamics of this because I'm an innocent fellow, but I'll give you 10 bucks on my Washington and I'll give you ten bucks on Phoenix. Nice, but it, you know, I think it's probably it's like giving him sixty dollar commission right on the Phoenix, yeah, right? Fine. No, no, yeah, but that's fine. He listen, he's been doing a good job lately. I know you feel good. Like the, whenever Fez gets hard on McKenzie is when McKenzie's doing a good job, because when he's doing a bad job, he figures, okay, I can act like I care, I can defend him, but I know I want him to stay because anyone doing this bad, this far into this, isn't a real competition with me. And he's, you know, kind of a lackey sometimes. So he's, but then when Mackenzie's rolling, it's like Fez is so, you're like a, bro, a young brother, younger brother or something. To, like you're always trying to like jab at him, critique him. 
Why is that? More like a big brother, right? No, you're like the little brother, just really? desperate. Hmm. Ooh, that wasn't right, was it? Huh, why'd you put that decimal point there? Like that kind of stuff. Do you find that Mackenzie threatens you? No. I mean, he can do lots of things I can't do, which I find oh. remarkable. I so mean, how good the, he is. The janitor, too, though. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, listen, you've had some good days. You've had some bad days. So have I. All right. Anyway, Washington, it's gold. All right. I believe this. And this is what Fez and I were talking about in the, uh, before the pod. And I'm going to ask Mackenzie the same question. Make the case for me that Dallas is better than Washington. Meaning, I believe Washington's odds should be better than Dallas's. Dallas is what, plus 105 or whatever? Let's mm-hmm. say even money. Washington's three and a half to one. Explain it to me. Let's walk through the obvious parts. Dak versus Fitzpatrick. You're saying a point and a half. Yep. Let's call it two. Let's go a little broad Conservative. Here. Yeah, I'm trying to give every benefit of the doubt to Dallas. All right, if you look at the line... Washington's probably got a better line at this O-line, right? Call it a half point. Yeah, things have changed. Receivers? Yeah, I think you could. Now, listen, from what I hear, what's his name? Gollum or something? What's his name? Gallup. Gallup. Gallup, I hear, is on the way out. Mm. Now, we'll see. But you got Cooper and what? Lamb. Lamb. Lamb's very good. Yeah, he's very good. Well, he's unproven, though. His second year, yeah. Obviously. So, and what, was he good with Andy Dalton? What was his yard? I mean, what, what was good about it? I mean, you tell me. Yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, let me pull him up. Okay. So, now remember, Washington has, they did an important signing at receiver with some speed. and Samuel. Samuel. And they have the guy that everyone underrated. I always forget his name. What's his name? The other receiver. Mc, Mc, McLaurin. 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 Like, isn't there a car, McLaurin? Okay. Let's take a fast one. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, Mackenzie, you tell me. How do you – I mean, is there really some major edge on Dallas at receiver? I agree with you. But the the, the counter-argument to me would be Dallas's line from two years ago was way better. If we had a time machine. And the guy's neck is better and the guy's knee is better. The the, the center's retired. They all blew out ligaments. I mean, we have no – lines, once they start blowing out ligaments, it's usually, you know, the end. I got no sense that Dallas has a, even a – are they even an average offensive line at this Rated point? Rated 26th by PFF. Like I said, it's the optimistic well, devil's no, we're advocate not asking, argument. We're not asking for that. We're asking for a legitimate argument that, 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 Dallas, that you believe or anyone believes that Dallas is so much better. So, Fez, if you really look at it, you take line and receiver. I think if we say even – I think that's pretty fair, meaning probably Washington has a little edge on the line, give Dallas a little edge at receiver, and running back, who knows, right? I mean, I don't even know with Zeke, right? Mm-hmm. Like you give Dallas a slight edge, sure. All right, so let's Washington's say, deep, though, at running back. So let's say this. Let's be as nice as we can be and give two, two points for Dallas outside of Dak on offense. I'm saying that's crazy. Right? Very well, conservative. No, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm saying, and conservative is not the right way to say it. We're saying conservative if you're from the Washington perspective. It's yeah. optimistic for Dallas. That's right. Right? Because what I'm saying is you can make the case that the wide receivers are a half point better for Dallas and Washington's O-line is a half point better and maybe give a half point for the running backs. Mm-hmm. You could say it's a half point Dallas plus two for Dak. Two and a half is fair. I'm going to go four. And two is way too much for Dak, actually. So 
So I'm going to go four just to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Conservative, some would say. Now, how much better is Washington's defense? Six points. Mackenzie? Let's say five points. Okay. I'm just doing some math here. Who's better? Washington. It's not close. I'm saying net-net. Washington. Now, we could say offense is more important than defense, and I think that's right. Yeah. But Washington's probably got the second or third best defense in the league, and Dallas probably is most likely about the 25th. And you, you had mentioned how much better that defense had gotten. I went back and looked the last seven regular season games. Washington gave up on average just under 16 points per game, but what was most telling, all seven held their opponents to 20 or fewer points. PFF gave them the second best grade in the free agent period for signings and such. You got a huge upgrade at quarterback. I mean, they had Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. And you got the coach having the first time he's ever coached Washington without having to do chemotherapy during the season. Possible locker room divided about who the quarterback should be for a good stretch of the year. Yeah. Now, well, now everyone's united. I don't think anyone thought has All to right. Be, right? So what I'm saying is let's call it even. Okay. We're plus three freaking 50 against even money. Like, I'm telling you right now, if I – let me ask you this. Force bet, Washington or Dallas, it's and, – and if Giants or Philly wins, it's no bet in this hypothetical. And the line is minus 140 Dallas. Plus 140 Washington, minus 140 Dallas. Whoever finishes higher between those two, let's just say that. What would you bet? I got to caveat it. Okay. This is the only bet I'm allowed to make on this, so I can't like do like you know no, scalping saying, hedging. Like I'm going to I'm going to the Antarctica yeah, for six yeah, months, and yeah. I get one bet. It's just one bet, and, and Washington plus one forty. I, I I I'm almost certain I would too. So we're getting two hundred cents. Yeah. A fact, or at least at the three fifty, which was a night, you know, was the last of that. That Pac manned up. That was all right. Mackenzie, plus 140, minus 140, what do you do? Plus 140 with the Washington football team. I agree. And I heard multiple people that I respect say, Dallas, Washington, I'm not sure who I'd take. Like, okay. serious people. Uh, Sam from PFF, if I recall. And actually, I think their gambling show, which I don't listen to that every week, but I listen to that off of free agency. They said the same thing. And I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh... We're going to look back in August and we're going to say, how in the hell was that three and a half to one? Because my gut feeling is it gets down to probably 180, 190. And, you know, let's be honest, the Giants get a chance. I mean, I think it's 40% Washington, 40% Dallas or so. Um 15% Giants, 5% Philly. Philly's in rebuild mode. I'd love to bet no on Philly at their number. Rebuild mode. All right. That is as big as it gets for me in the NFL preseason or offseason. Let's see. We got some bets here. What do you think, Mackenzie Hitman or Essler? Let's stick with the division, NFL. Hitman. NFL, there's a division bet. 
from the hitman. Now, I bought a book. It's called The Four Kings, and it's about Duran, Leonard, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, and Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Just, just saw that fight. Which The Hearns-Hagler? Oh, my God. Best, like, two, two and a half rounds of boxing I've ever seen. Yeah, the hitman was, um, let's just say he wasn't translucent. He wasn't 100. Well, I guess he was like 145 yeah. pounds, like 6'3". But that's our hit, man. He knows his stuff, and he's got the Patriots plus 400 to win the AFC East. Let's listen. Best bet, Patriots to win the AFC East plus 400. I actually have some hope for Cam Newton to be a functional starting NFL quarterback. People forget that in the back half of 2019, the Patriots' talent on offense was so bad that it made Brady look average at best, and that's what Cam dealt with last year. This year, the Patriots' surrounding talent on offense is going from the worst in the NFL to at least average, and it's going to be partnered with elite play calling. Partner that up with a solid defense, with another excellent defensive mind, Bill Belichick, and I have New England power-rated as the second-best team in the division. Also, this Deshaun Watson news that we're hearing about greatly benefits New England, as it's far less likely that the Jets or the Dolphins are going to be acquiring him, and if they do, a likely suspension is coming. At these odds, it's worth a shot to back the greatest of all time coach with something to prove this season after Brady's Super Bowl. Best bet, New England Patriots plus 400, AFC East. So, Fez, this is something we talked about. Um, I'm going to say something quick about this Belichick stuff. I think people have got this wrong. So imagine this. Imagine you're going to an auction. Right now, it's a silent auction because in a typical auction, you have like something like this. I got 75 So you get to decide: do I bet? Do I go the next increment? Do I go the next increment? In a silent auction, you just pick a price, and I mean, I guess in a way, it's no eBay's. You know, eBay has its reveal at each point. So yeah, it's going to be like. Hey, how much do you want to pay for this? Now, what Belichick has always done, what smart teams do, is they say, first wave, you got them. You care that much, you're going to outbid everyone else, you got them. Now, who gets left? Is it uh, Smith-Schuster? Is it whoever? Let's go in and get a guy maybe that is not that far from the $17 million guy. We're going to get him for eight, that kind of thing. That's smart. But if you go to a silent auction and you've got to buy yourself 10 items out of, let's say, 30, there's 30 items for sale, and you got to buy 10 because if you don't, you're insufficient. You don't have enough of whatever you're buying, and there's not many other ways to get it. In theory, you could. Like there's another auction later that's so low rent that you probably aren't getting anything any good. What do you have to do? You have to bid aggressively because you have a minimum. It's not just how much you want it. It's how much you need in volume. The Patriots needed a lot in volume. And thus, it only made sense that they had to bid more aggressively early because it wasn't just about getting value. The first thing was getting a sufficient number of players that they need. And you can't have that and value. You can't have a demand for volume and by definition being a value hunter means you're willing to say no 
Mm-hmm. Wash or uh, New England just wasn't willing to say no in a lot of these cases. So they paid an Aguilar maybe two and a half extra million. The question is, yeah, maybe he's worth two and a half million less, but that two and a half million guaranteed or really increased the chance of getting him. And the question is, would you rather not get him at all? So they could have bid two and a half million less and maybe got him, but maybe one out of three times they lose him. Mm-hmm. Now, is it worth losing a player every third time for that last 10% of the salary? Belichick didn't think so, so he bid higher. So you're right. If you're trying to say these are all these bargain hunter deals, deals are not. But he needed the volume. Mackenzie, you had an Ivy League degree. You have one. You understand that? Yes, 100%. Have you heard anyone talk about that? No, not in this regard at all, no. Yeah, go ahead. In the NBA, there was actually a really good point by Steve Van Gundy talking about the famously overpaid Richard Lewis. And he said, well, yeah, if you go by contract per contract, but the Magic have made the finals once the last 25 years. They did it by overpaying this guy. Sometimes the ends, you know, justify, well, on paper, it looks like a bad deal. Yeah, but in general, I think you should, that's a lot of excuses for bad deals. And I'm, I don't know the, you know, the Lewis one enough to comment on, but it does strike me that if we think of it like, uh, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> I'll just give one more kind of very similar analogy. It's a silent auction for food, and you need seven different bushels of food, and each bushel gives your family one day of food, all right? And usually you don't have to get seven. Usually you grow some of your own food. Sometimes you have uh, people you trade with, whatever. But this time you need seven freaking bushels of food. Are you going to bid? And let's say there's 15 up for bid. How aggressive are you going to be? Going to make sure you get your at least five of them, you know, right but off the bat. That's the thing. You don't even. That's the thing. You don't even. It's not like the. It could be. Who knows where Aguilar or the tight ends would have been? They needed to get them right off the go. Yeah. And that's how do you get them off the go unless you pay overpay? Now the theory is that because there were so few people in the market, they overpaid less than they typically would, and thus it evens out. They were able to get volume. Without overpaying. They didn't underpay, but they didn't, I don't think they overpaid net-net. Okay. Now, we predicted, Fez, why not have New England? Like we knew New England had the money. You know, you were spot on on this one. Right. Yeah, go, go ahead. No, yeah. you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I just think that, that, like, you're like, Fez, New England's got more money. They got over eight, They got $80 million to spend. They're going to spend it. So the division odds right at the time, I think, were plus 550 on New England. And you're like, if you're going to bet New England, bet them now. Because there's going to be good news. You're going to see, oh, look at New England. Look at all these guys they brought in. Even if they overpay a little bit, which we didn't anticipate, but it doesn't matter. Those guys are going to still help your team, and your team's going to get stronger, and the odds are going to go down on New England. That's exactly what we saw. This division odds went from 550 when you recommended it down to 375 to 4 to 1. And even um, the futures on New England, I saw 40 to 1s. Now it's 28 to 1. All the money has come on New England. Why? Because the media keeps saying, hey, look, they signed these good players. Who cares if they're paying them a little bit too much? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And, and I think one thing I'm learning in the last year or two is if you understand the business side of this a little bit, like I'll give you another example. I believe Wash. listen, I didn't bet this till yesterday or you know, day before yesterday or yesterday, is, I guess it was yesterday, is the reason was because I wasn't sure about quarterback. And the minute I saw Fitzpatrick, I'm like, okay. But here's one thing I did, uh, Washington, but here's one thing I did feel. 
there's a sense that young teams have a long way to, you know, like we got time. They don't because what happens is all those first-round picks are going to be after three years, all those D linemen are going to want, all are going to want their own $20 million deal. And you know what? They're keeping one or two and the rest have to go. And because of that, they're anxious now for an elite quarterback and i think that's why they went after fitz you know again they probably you know i heard they went after stafford they went after other people but they they were motivated i don't know for example like the raiders how motivated are they i don't know i know the lineman stuff was pretty crazy i figure it's gonna hurt cars qbr that's my thought but you know i got three weeks to decide I saw Snyder just bought out all his minority partners. Any thoughts about whether that's plus, minus? I think that the one – I don't like Snyder, but what I I feel like, one, he depresses the market in a good way for us. I mean, because if this was a – like we just said, if this was a blind resume, it's it's a coin flip. But I do feel like he understands he's finally got a coach, a.k.a. Riverboat Ron, that – is a good coach because he's taking GM duty, a lot of things, and that Snyder's not going to want to get in a power struggle with them. So I do think Rivera can say, hey, you know, not here. And if so, that's all you need. You just need to control him. And since Rivera's the face, I mean, it's almost like camouflage. You know, obviously with in, in the suite and everything, Snyder's dancing and he's got his drinks or whatever he's doing. But Rivera, who was the face of the uh, Washington two years ago? Him, Snyder. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Gruden really wasn't. But Rivera has a big enough brand, I think, to take some of the heat. That's a good point. Well, not take the heat, but get the attention away from Snyder. Sure. Okay. So do you agree at 400 on the hint, man? Yes, I still agree with it. I don't know if I do. I like it. I mean, it's like I'm yeah, I'm right on the border. Maybe it should be 380. We're getting 400. I mean, I don't know. And, I'm again, he's great. So, I mean, I don't have to agree. But it just feels like Buffalo's done a lot of good things too. And is 4-1 to one enough that maybe it is. If, if Miami wasn't compact, but, you know, Miami right now has a higher uh, or better odds than New England. Yeah. Now, to, again, Tua – I mean, again, there's a chance Miami gets Watson. Again, whatever happens with Watson. I don't think so because they just signed Brissett. As a backup. Yeah. So, so but they, they trade two in any deal. Yeah, all right. Fair. Yeah, you're right. You're I mean, right. You're that, right. That's yeah. why Miami and the Jets are the two viable teams. Because, again, if I were – forget this new information. But why would you bring in – You need a backup anyway. You're going to have one starter, whoever it is, and you need a backup. Okay. And remember, Brissett was in New England. Right? Who's the coach of Miami? Yeah. So they, you know, again, I thought Brissett was a great, I thought Brissett could have been like the 22nd or 23rd starter, in my opinion. So he's a good bat. I'd rather have Brissett right now than Andy Dalton. Yeah. I mean, myself. Yeah, it's close. It's real close. But a lot I of agree. People like Andy I agree. Dalton, one, you know, is the best backup. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I didn't like what I saw last year at all. And I'll tell you this when he got hit and got that concussion and the rest of the Cowboys weren't there for him. He wasn't rallying that team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so, you know, maybe Andy Dalton, when he was like the, the golden hair child in Cincinnati, was okay. And I'll tell you this. I was listening to Middlecoff. Uh, John Middlecoff? Middlecoff? Yeah, that's how you say it. I don't know. For some reason, I sound like I got a, like a, a worse accent than I do. Middlecoff. And a uh, really sharp guy. And he's a straight talker. 
And uh, he was saying that one time when he was with, I think, the 49ers, and he played this, the Bengals during Marvin Lewis and when they were making the playoffs and Andy Dalton right in the middle, he goes that when they walked off that bus, he goes, Cincinnati looked like they were in another league, meaning they were physically. Because remember, they had year after year a number one pick, and they were always drafting the best athletes, and it never really – but then it came together for a couple years. And I guess it caused me to reevaluate Andy Dalton. I thought, well, it was a bad team. He, no, I think he was just – I think if they would have had a good quarterback, that team could have made, made the Super Bowl. Mm. I mean, Pittsburgh had their number. But uh, what I saw, we haven't seen Dalton outside. What we know is this. When the Bengals dropped off in talent, Dalton was horrendous. Horrendous, yeah. To the point that you wanted Ryan Finley Finley over Dalton, and you said upgrade. Not my best work. No. So (laughs) at least it only took you three or four games to figure (laughs) out. Wait, he only started like a game, right? (laughs) Now – so we're saying, okay, there was a time they had elite athletes, Cincinnati. And Dalton looked fine. Pro Bowl. They didn't have elite athletes. He was horrible. He went to Dallas. He was horrible. Are we starting to see a trend? Maybe he was propped up by how good Cincinnati was. I think that's a strong take. Uh, so that means bears, boo bears. <sighs> All right. We got some. Oh. We got one more thing in the NFL, and we'll break down the free agent signings everything next week because there will be less to do in March Madness. But there was some Aaron Rodgers news. I'm not, a, you know, where they didn't uh, rework the contract. It was a sign of them not wanting him seemingly there next year. This could be the last year, likely the last year for Rodgers. We talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. Remember Fox Sports Radio? And you can listen to the podcast, just search straight out of Vegas. And this podcast, same thing, but search for RJ Bell. You can follow and get the picks as they come out. The pods as they come out, everything. I was thinking about doing occasionally just dropping a pick, like an eight-minute pick in, just at random, like one a month, and then pull it down in an hour. And I'm serious. I, I, I don't care. I'm crazy. And the theory is if you're, if you're, you know, if you're attuned to what we're doing, you get it. It's like a, it's a flash sale. You said that of. like Joe Pesci. <laughs> you know what I'm talking, in casino? Yeah, I, I know. Oh, oh, like when he's talking to the banker? Yeah. That's a good one. He goes, you, I think you misunderstand. <laughs> he goes, jail is my business. That's good. The Irishman's good. Have you seen the Irishman? I have not. All right. I love that line. He goes, Hoffa was all, you know, Hoffy and. Pesci goes, we took care of the president. Do you think we'll have problems with the president of a union? (laughs) 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 I guess it turned out to be true. Um, That's interesting. You know, the the thinkers in the movie say it's really like kind of the coda of the mobster movie. And uh, the end of that movie is kind of daunting because – Let's be candid. I, I love The Godfather 1 and 2, and I, I like 3 more than most. And there's a new cut of that on Amazon. But it glorifies the mafia. I mean, there was a guy on YouTube, Michael Febreze, or I can't remember his name, but he's, a, he's interesting. I like him. And, um, you know, he was like a, a capo regime. 
with the Columbos, I guess. And, you know, then he kind of got out of the life, and which is hard. I mean, he took an oath. And, you know, now he uh, he's religious, and, it, and he seems very sincere. But he's a straight talker about the old life. And um, he said the best thing that ever happened to the mob. Oh, yeah, I always have trouble. It's Franzese. Franzese? No, it's not. No, it's not Mike Francesa's cousin, <laughs> Franzese. It's, it's Franzese. Okay. And Michael Franzese, I think, yes. And uh, Capicole. And um, on Sopranos, they say Gabagol. It's like, who in the hell thinks it's... I mean, I guess that's more real for, you know, northern Jersey. The, the, the point... Uh, what were we talking about? For, uh, we were talking about him... And the mob, oh, the Godfather. He said when the Godfather happened, every mobster in New York, because he was on the street at that point, was like walking with a, their shoulders back. Mm. You know, you think about it. If, you're, if your business is the business of Brando and Pacino, you're going to feel pretty good about it. You're already, a, you know, you're already willing to kill. Right? Every made man has to be willing to kill. They don't all do, but they have to be willing to. That's kind of the rule is... So you're not going to be like, oh, they showed killing. You're going to be thinking, it looked badass. But there's only bad people get killed, right? In the mob or in the Godfather? In the Godfather. Eh, that's interesting. Now, I would say, well, let me see. Well, bad people from the perspective of the Colleones? Well, I guess, well, no, Apollonia got killed. Oh, uh, that's true. Sunday, that's true. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think Kay Adams put the hit out. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but um, and Tessio, he was always the smart one. And Tessio got killed. Was he bad? I guess against the Coleones. We said I always like Michael. It was just business. Let him know. Uh huh. Okay. So you've seen The Godfather? Yeah. When? I, I, this is terrible. You're going to be upset. Bits and pieces of it here and there. So I've you, never seen it all the way through. You never thought, you know, let me think here. We've got, um, what was the movie with the, the blonde girl, like, dressed in tatters, walking down the street? Walk of Shame. Yeah. So you watch Walk of Shame from yeah. start to finish. Now, like... So, <laughs> You know, some people would be like, "How many?" You know, they had a porno back in the day, and it'd be like, "How many times have you watched this?" And he goes, "Well, I never do get past this one scene." Mm. So, was it one of those deals, or <laughs> did, like did you watch it in chunks? The Walk of Shame. I've watched that one in chunks, also. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you love it. Yeah. You know, there's a whole culture of interracial porn. I mean, like that. If you go to like Pornhub, it's like mm. one of the main things. So, like, you're, the, the fetish that you're admitting right now is not uncommon. Don't be ashamed. Now, exploring exactly why you, you know, what the source of it is could be uncomfortable, I think. So we'll let it go. What do you think of that, Mackenzie? I think, I think it's the beginning of a long journey in Vez's self-realization. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. But you realize that, and I'm not saying with Fez, but... And again, you realize I'm not telling you anything, and maybe it's just an opinion on my part, and I could be wrong. Who we, who knows, right? Is I think it's fair to say there's a implicit racism 
with a lot of the interracial stuff. Like, oh, yeah. like you know, the theory is it's like exotic, right? I mean, that's part of the appeal for some of the fetishists, I think, is... And then there's a sense of like a debasement of the of the blonde girl, and you know, and I'm not gonna say Fez particularly, but like people like Fez with all the attributes and characteristics, but not Fez. You know, the, what is the eroticism? You know, what is that fetish? Is is the idea that 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 she's like in a jungle that's trying to escape and that you know they won't let her out? I mean, it's kind of kind of bad. Animalism and racism and sex have been in a trio kissing each other for years and years and years. They were kissing? And more. <laughs> so I don't know. It's interesting. Now, I do know my favorite porn star, and again, artistic, is I'm a Riley Reed fan. You familiar with Riley Reed, Mackenzie? AVN winner 2018 and 2019, I believe. I don't know. I don't follow that. <laughs> That's <but> in Vegas. <laughs> it, yeah, I know. I've, I've often thought if I got the right pass, I would go, but I've never, you know, really tried. But, um, and you know what's funny? There's probably only three I know their names. So it's not like I've got, like, some big list, but there's, uh, there's something about Riley. She's game. No doubt. The, uh, are you you're a fan? Fan. Who's your favorite? Sienna West, she's retired, but she's an oldie but a goodie. Holy cow, like, you have some 40-year-old that you're just hoping <laughs> comes back on the screen, or what? I'm confused. I mean, just the, the old videos, it's like the godfather. I'm not going to say this new stuff's any better than that. Okay, except it is. <laughs> because, like, back then they had, like, Burt Reynolds with the 8 millimeter. <laughs> it's like five years ago she retired. Oh, okay. The, um, now, the one I like from Howard Stern, boy, you want to talk about how... Uh, uh, plastic surgery can go bad is who was the one that married uh, the UFC fighter and she was like the biggest in the world she 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 danced in Vegas Janet Jameis yeah J Janet Jameis Janet J Jameis yeah whatever JJ she w she went on if you look on the E show on YouTube for Howard Stern E show Janet Jameson and say early or, you know, first she comes in and she looks like, you know, like, you know, a girl that was just graduated, you know, she was younger. She just graduated high school, but she didn't look like, like she looked like the girl next door and was just gorgeous in my opinion. And then I think she did Howard like on E maybe like 10 or 12 times over like 10 years. And every time... She comes in, you know, with a little, you know, lip injection, this. And it's one thing if you're getting older, and, and let's be candid, there's a lot of guys that anyone on TV at least considers it, meaning the full-time guys like a, I'm not saying Scott Van Pelt, but a guy like a Scott Van Pelt, at some point it's going to be like, do you look old or do you get a little, you know, and like they have that, uh, it's called Juvederm now, where it's like the whole idea of like facelifts or whatever, you know, people... I don't know who does those, but I know that you can get like an injection and stuff and it like is not uh, super expensive. It's not, it's like 10 minutes or something and it makes a difference. I've, I've known people, you know, women probably in their late thirties, you know, early forties that literally look, you know, I don't want to know five years younger, but there's a distinct difference and it doesn't cost or it doesn't cost a ton is my understanding. And it doesn't, um, 
there's no real negative. I guess with the Botox, you can get like too much where your face is implacid, you know, your, your face is unexpressive. And then you can accidentally, I guess, hit a nerve with the Botox. You never know. But the little injections supposedly aren't bad at all. But anyway, I, I don't begrudge anyone that's trying to look a little younger. I mean, guy or girl. But if, you know, the ones who are saying I want to look totally different, now I'm not judging them either because, you know, that's their right. But there is something just much more extreme about that. And then you got to wonder how many people really want to look like that and how many people are doing it for the business. And now if people are getting like humongous fake breasts for the business, I don't know, it's not our job in society to stop that, but it does get a little interesting. But I don't know. Huh. Okay. I will say this about porn. Last thought. I got the Oculus. Someone gave me the uh, business partner wants to do something in... VR, which is probably not going to happen, but he bought me an Oculus. So it's the, um, you know, VR, virtual reality okay. headset. And the, and just out of curiosity, I thought I'd have to look at the porn. Um, and, you know, I gave him my credit card just because, you know, I wanted to do a deep. <laughs> this is the God's truth. I've gone my whole life without spending a dollar on porn. Within 15 minutes of getting the Oculus, I bought a year's <laughs> subscription. That's the God's truth. And have you tried it, Mackenzie? No, I haven't. Like, let's just say normal porn with a nice computer screen, you know, like say a modern setup. Now, Mackenzie, by the way, in a related note, your computer broke down because <laughs> Water damage, yep. they said too many liquids were <laughs> seeped in. Is that correct? That's, I mean, that's factual, yes. That's what correct is. <laughs> okay. So anyway, whatever the setup is, if that's a seven, 27, <laughs> it is multiples better. Like there's times because they, they shoot it. This is the 3D now. It's We're not talking about like normal stuff. It's a shoot the 3D and... There's, they shoot it all where wherever your perspective is, the, the girl is looking at you. So it'll be like, can you believe this? And, and I've had times, I'll be candid, it's like, I'm not sure if I should answer. I mean, it's like it re <laughs> you really get so swept up in it, you almost, like they look, they look at you in the eye and you kind of get shy. It is like, it's holodeck style. Mm. In fact, other than, I guess in the holodeck you could touch, and I keep trying and I can't, but but it's really as good as the holodeck other than that, like on Star Trek. And now apparently, and I don't know anything about this, but they got suits you can buy. And on the suits, they have a bunch of sensors, right? So now imagine, you know about this? No, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So imagine now part of the, the software code is going to say, okay, she's going to reach out and touch the shoulder. And now you feel a stimulation on the shoulder and then maybe other places. I, I tell you this, the whole kind of this is the world and then there's a, this other world that we've always speculated is not that far off. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The, we didn't throw to the Green Bay yet, right? Not yet. All right. So let's hear about Rogers. Let's hear about <laughs> him. This is from straight out of Vegas. It's really good, actually. Let's listen. 
there had been some conversations about a possible restructuring of Aaron Rodgers' contract to free up that space for the Green Bay Packers, but reports say that was not done, and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers move forward with the contract at hand. Obviously, Tom Brady is the North Star, is the guiding light when it comes to these things. And as we talked about yesterday, it looked like, ooh, Aaron Rodgers is going to kind of buy in. Now, we don't know if that adjustment would have been good or bad net-net for Aaron, but we know it would have been good for the team. And as far as I can see, this was the team deciding not to do this. The only reason Green Bay would decide not to do this, only one reason, is they do not want to further their commitment to increase their commitment to Aaron Rodgers. And that's what this would have done. Whenever you kick that can down the road, you're effectively saying, hey, you'll be here next year. You'll be here the year after, and we can prorate it on down. This is Green Bay saying we're far from certain that Aaron Rodgers will be here even next year. Don't forget, a quarterback named Love is on the bench. When's the last time a first-round quarterback has sat on the bench, a second season even, without even being given a chance? It's one thing to get benched. Hmm. He hasn't thrown a pass. Now, by all reports, he wasn't ready to throw a pass. But the reason this was a good pick, by most people's opinion, Love maybe had the most physical talent. He was right up there, top-tier physical talent in the draft last year. But he wasn't. It was a project. He needed development. So what's the perfect situation? you got a starting quarterback who's aged or aging, maybe aged. But last year he would say no, and I would say he's right. What a year from Aaron Rodgers. We were skeptics coming in because the prior, like, four years had been down. And it was a shocker. Now, some may say Jordan Love had something to do with that. I think he had to, but it could be a coincidence And if that's the case, you kind of got to think, well, this is good. He's going to be mad again. So they'll get another good year out of Aaron Rodgers, 37 years old right now. Now, with Brady, we start thinking, oh, he's got five good years left, six good years. But other than Brady, what do we think? Who hasn't hit the wall by age 40? All right, Breeze kind of, you know, I think he did. I mean, he still had good numbers, but so to me – This is Green Bay saying, we're not sure. It's going to be interesting to see how Aaron reacts. And I think as we go around the horn here, and we'll start with Fez, I think this is the question that we don't ask enough. Would you rather be good for a long time or great for a short time? Because this is about being good because they're not as good as they could be this year. They could be borderline great this year. They made the 13-3 and conference finals two years ago. 13-3 and conference finals last year. They're two wins away from a Super Bowl, and they seem to be doing nothing to increase their chances. Now, you might say, hey, it was just a roll of the dice. A couple interceptions, one pass before the half from Brady. Yeah, and what we've seen is Tampa Bay looking like this is some kind of action movie and bringing everyone back, you know? It's like, it's like Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> right? Think about it. And Green Bay sitting there going, well, we, we, we signed our running back. 
So, but Green Bay's history is good, 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 mm, better than good, good, good. Now, you can say only two Super Bowls with Favre and Rodgers, or you can say victories, or you can say, wow, look at the consistency. Green Bay, I think the third best record this century. Where do you come down, Fez? You got to feel Green Bay underperformed considering you know, that quarterback play, how often do you get two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks like that to only get two Super Bowls? But does that say, say about Green? See, we're presupposing that's we know how good Aaron Rodgers is. Maybe what we know is Aaron Rodgers is like a Jeff George that has a little bit more team in his mind, but not much more because Jeff George was a heck of a quarterback, right? How good was Dan Marino? A great quarterback. So was it his fault or Don mm. Shula's or who's? I don't know, right? But what I know is we can't presuppose. It can't be, hey, if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl, congratulations, you're awesome. And if he doesn't, that goddamn team? Sure. Why'd they fall short for you, Aaron? And, and I have to tell you that this Aaron Rodgers this last year, talk about an outlying data point because Aaron Rodgers was great for like four or five years. And then he was, he was a pretty good quarterback for four or five years. And then all of a sudden, boom, he became the best quarterback in the league last year. What a shock. To me, that is an indictment of Aaron Rodgers because if it's just random, right? But if you look at, like, PFF does a good job. It's not just stats. They look at every play, and Aaron Rodgers had a score that was just so much better than the last couple years at PFF. So you finally get someone ruffling your feathers. You come in in better shape by all accounts and have your best season in five years that means you could have had that same yes. season the last four years, but you didn't put in that last little bit of work that it took you being mad at someone to do. So to me, the questions as we go to Jonas, Green Bay, good for decades or great, and they're choosing good. They're choosing to move on. Now, it's irony, obviously, that Aaron Rodgers was the guy waiting in the wings when Favre was there. It's hard for him to complain now. But if anything, he knows that team. I wouldn't want to necessarily play against them once this first year out of Green Bay because it sounds like another reason to get in shape. I don't know if we'll be too old. Jonas, what, what's your main takeaway? Yeah, I mean, as far as just Aaron Rodgers and his the being good but not quite great, it's also the fact they've gotten to the conference championship game, what, five times? And I think he's one in four. Yes. And he hasn't played all that great in those conference championship Blame games. Blame the team, the big, Fez says. Yeah, the big discussion was he finally got one at home. He'd never had one at home. Well, he got it at home, and Tampa Bay rolled him. And then I just I look at the Jordan Love situation, and I, and I say this. You don't move up in the draft to take mm. that guy unless you really believe he's going to be the dude at some point soon. And it feels like this is the last year for Aaron Rodgers. Let, let me ask you something. Cause I have, I have a, a Twitter tweet as they call him from uh, nine months ago, debunking your point, not you making it, but that point. So let me ask you if the trade up, what does that represent to you? Because what, what I think it represents to people is, oh, you went out of your way. It's like if, a, if you're talking to some ex-girlfriend, it's one thing if you ran into her at the corner store. It's another thing if you went to her birthday party, right, it, with, the, with your girlfriend, wife, whatever. Is It strikes me that if the trade was 
a net positive. So let's just say for the sake of argument, we'll say draft points, right? Because they do have the Jimmy Johnson list. Mm. There's other lists out there that are more modern. And let's say they were able to move up four spots. And I think it was about four. I'm not sure. Maybe three. Yeah. And let's say that it cost them 300 draft points and it was worth 400. So really, in that case, you're plus 100 on the transaction. So if anything, taking love there actually means less than if you would have taken them picks later because you actually gained. It's like you made a transaction beforehand, right? So when I looked at it, it looked like they got a good deal on the trade up. I just I, I know it means that their intent, they have an intent. But isn't that the same thing picking them at whatever spot would be is once you make a pick, it's with intent, right? Yeah, even if they hadn't traded up for him, I still think they identified him as enough of a talent that they couldn't let him pass. They couldn't let him risk losing him. And the fact that they moved up four spots, I, I mean, that just makes me believe it even more that they look at him as their quarterback of the future. And that's why there's a lot of these rumblings that are saying, and and as you mentioned, kick the can down the road, you're in essence tying yourself to that person, that player for another year. The fact that they're taking this approach, I would bet this is Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay. And I think you're right. And, and I think his performance last year, which was the best in the league statistically in the regular season, Aaron Rodgers' performance threw a monkey wrench in all the plans. Yes. Because if, if Aaron Rodgers would have kept on his path of, you know, decaying just a little smidge, another decay last year, it would have been obvious one more year, buddy, Big Ben style. And then if you want to go limping Joe Namath to the Rams, go ahead. The fact that he became otherworldly, I mean, literally, I, I, now, now what do you do if you're Green Bay? Do you say let's let's try to trade Jordan Love, which is valid, I think, and let's hitch a wagon to Roger Star? But let's be honest. Is there any NFL player, an ownership group, or a front office would feel less comfortable being beholden to? The idea that not only are you the quarterback, but we had to come back crawling and say, you know, we made a mistake. Mm. I mean, I, I don't think that's something, even if they thought on the field it was going to be okay, I don't think that's sustainable because when Aaron Rodgers has an inch, he takes as many inches as he can. Maybe that's fine. I'm not saying that's a problem, but I think that's part of it why they wouldn't want to say go back to him and say, hey, let's trade Jordan Love. You, you ready to sign an extension? But then he's got you, right? Yeah, then you've got an admission that um, you've essentially you mismanaged the situation. You were wrong. He was right. Now he's going to save you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think that helps him at all. I mean, what would you do if you were in Green Bay? I mean, let's say the pick is made. They got Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers does what he does. What do you do, Jonas? Uh, I, meaning after this season? What do you do right now? Like, what's your intent right now? Is it to keep him after this season? Me personally, I would keep him after this season, but – the, all signs are pointing towards they're ready to walk away from this thing. And and whatever – I don't know what if they're if – contractually, I would need to look at what it would cost for them to cut him and then also, you know, what they could potentially get in return as far as draft capital. But it just feels like this is sort of a, hey, this is probably going to be it, and then we move on and go in another direction. Mackenzie and Research does a great job. Pulls up my tweet from May 29th, 2020 – 
Jonas Knox, attention. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Those saying Green Bay trading up to pick Love means it wasn't value-based are wrong, all caps. If market price is paid to trade up, it doesn't hurt or help net value. Leaving the following. Did Love offer material value at number 26? Moving up shows intent, but there are no unintentional NFL draft picks. See, I had more time with that. I had that little twist at the end. <laughs> but I agree with Jonas in general. Forget the trade up. It showed intent. It showed this love is our guy. And you know the irony of all this? I bet they can get more than they paid for love right now. How, how many teams are desperate for a quarterback? How many teams are hot for love? Maybe as a second rounder. But now... If you're New England, you maybe give up a little more. Or, I mean, there's seven or eight. If, if you're San Francisco, if you're Chicago, <laughs> yes. how much more do you want Jordan Love than the red water pistol? Yeah, after six games and they're two and four with Mr. Dalton. Mm. Well, I'm saying now. I'm saying that, that, that quarterback, if they're talking Sam Darnold after three years of futility, has <sighs> only dropped, you know, maybe 30 picks. Jordan Love's probably gone up. I mean, what do you think? Last thought, Jonas. What do they get for Jordan Love if they trade him right now? I don't think they would get a one, but I think they oh, could get a two. What? They, wouldn't think... get, they, they picked him at one. He hasn't taken a snap. They wouldn't get a yeah. one? I mean, I, I don't think they'd get a one for him. I really don't. Oh my. So you think Sam Darnold and Jordan Love would get about the same, like number 35 pick? No, 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 no. I think you would get more for Jordan Love, but I don't think you're getting a number one pick. I would he just, love. He hasn't seen anything. How about this? Let's We'll, we'll make a pizza bet. If he gets traded before the end of this season, I say they get a one for him. Pizza will bet. I'll do that. I'll do that. All right, baby. Law, I finally got Jonas. That now Don't he's... bet against RJ Bell. <laughs> Haven't you been paying attention to what he's been doing, Jonas? See, the trick is now we get him getting a little bit of fever going. Who knows what he's going to be batting next. <laughs> okay, enough on that. I do think, you know something? We're going to throw the LeBron in too, right? All right, we'll do that at the end. I'll be the I got some good stuff on LeBron. All right, we're wrapping it down. So you got your best bet. Mm-hmm. I got a best bet. We got Astler. What else we got? Anything we got to talk about? I think that. You want to talk about the Nets, Harden? Uh, yeah, Harden's good. You had some stats. Well, I tell you, you look at how Houston's doing, and it really reinforces how good Harden is. Yeah, it's a great point. 17 straight losses. Well, I think they had 20, and they just beat Toronto. Was it 20? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, but but again, we had the Nats at four to one, and we had Harden at thirty to one on for MVP. You know that you say we, you're being kind. You really, you obviously, you made those recommendations and you nailed it. You know, here's a Brooklyn team that Harden comes aboard. I mean, Durant's been out forever, seemingly, and this team's like a game out of of first place in the East behind Philly. Now remember, I got Philly at 13 and a half to one and I'll tell you, or 13 to one, right? Or is it 13 and a half? I don't know. Right, McKenzie? 14 to one. 14. Now, I think Philly, what we've seen since Embiid's been down has been mighty impressive. Oh, no doubt They're about defense, it. man. I'm telling you, bring him, and he's a great defender. I. What's the market right now in the Sixers? About the same. You, you can get 14 to one. I, t- I like that. I mean, Embiid, it's not like Embiid possibly is going to miss the playoffs. And every every week that goes by that they're still, you know, neck to, neck and neck with, with Brooklyn makes it more likely to get the one seed in the East. Yeah. And also, we still don't know yet about Durant's integration. I mean, I think we, we can be optimistic. It's time to start worrying about his health. 
And well, but the same thing goes for LeBron and AD. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. That uh, across the board, um, the, I mean this Laker thing. Like someone actually came out and said, "Are we sure the Lakers are going to make the playoffs?" You know, so I've think heard that. about Remember, that. There's the play-ins now, so well, even if they have to play the play-in, though, the, the fe- mere fact they'd have to play a play-in is a negative. Best record since February 1st: Suns 23 and six, Nets 20 and seven. Sixers 20 and 8, Jazz 18 and 8, Jazz dropping off. I wonder, Suns and Jazz, would you take Suns plus 150 to be, take over the number one seed? No. Really? I don't know. Jazz been dropping off. Man. I don't want to get greedy. No, I'm just saying if you had to bet yeah. it. Um, okay. Oh, and we got the Joker as the favorite for the MVP. I tell you, Mackenzie, we didn't talk about this last week. When you were talking about Ben and B like a two and a half to one, it was like I had a crystal ball. I go, yep. I remember, there's always an injury risk. He's never, you know, he never played full season. <laughs> could, could be his legs, his back, gastrointestinal, too many unknowns. Next week we'll talk about this. I, I think there's a couple flyers that we should look. I mean, we already got a nice portfolio going. Um, it strikes me LeBron can't win it now. It also strikes me that I'm starting to think Giannis can win it. Really? I, I just think that I think once there's already a, it's the same hardened thought. It's like, we've been talking. He can't win it for so long. It gets old. And we're like, why can't he win it? Like that is what I bet with Harden. Uh, I'm going to hold it against him. All these playoff meltdowns. Sorry. I hear. I think it's bigger than that. I think, and and this is the only thing that makes me say no. There's only three other players that's ever won three MVPs in a row: Wilt Chamberlain, Larry freaking Bird, mm. and I think Kareem. I don't know. There's one other. Maybe you can look at it, McKenzie. No one's going to want to put Giannis, who's yet to make his bones in the playoffs in that group. It's just it, Bill yeah. Russell was the third one. All right, so Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry freaking Bird. Giannis Dellabababababa. Guy nice antitoko umpo. Is not on that list. Maybe make the playoff finals once and we can start having a conversation. Man, Come on no, now. we can't. And we're never going to have to have it again because right. he's never going to win another two. So, I mean, he might win another one, but he's not yeah. going to win two in a row and be competitive for a third. This is it. Yes. Michael didn't do this. Think about that a second. LeBron didn't do this. I mean, I like the Greek freak. I mean, I can't say his name. Guy nice antitoko umpo. But I can say Giannis. So who it is? Is it Dame? No, probably not. You got the, the rundown in front of you, Mackenzie? You know, Dame losing that game against Brooklyn. You know, that's almost like a playoff game for MVP. That The fact that Harden came in there without the other two of the big three and one in Portland the other night, uh, that's not going to help Dame's um, portfolio there. Yeah, he's not winning anything. All right, Jokic, I don't I, – I, th- I mean, he could win it. I don't think he will. Embiid, I, I'm not sure if 550, I don't like it. Um, Giannis, Harden at 10 to 1, but we got the Westgate has him as the second favorite. Dame – Luca, oh, Steph, no, Kawhi, no, Durant, Durant is sixty-five to one. I mean, do they just want to steal? Oh my God, who's? Oh, this was eleven five. Okay, sixty-five to he should be one hundred and sixty-five. Oh, he should be sixteen hundred and fifty <laughs> to one. I mean, what's his chance of winning the MVP? Zero. That's what I'm thinking. Booker, Tatum, 
Tatum. Okay, so we know it's not going to be from... All right. Donovan, no, not Mitchell. You know what's funny? Chris Paul. I mean, he's not going to win it. 250 to 1. But isn't that a value? Who's more valuable? Still not going to win it. He comes into Oklahoma City. He goes into Phoenix. They haven't made the playoffs like in eight years. Won every game in the bubble last year. Still didn't make the playoffs. Hmm. Anthony Davis? What? I mean, what's wrong with these people? Yeah, Harden, I'm not. The funny thing is if Harden didn't have, if he was injured those first games. Would have was, been better, yeah. Well, for sure. But I'm saying, is is he the prohibitive favor right now? Otherwise. I think so. Of those, of the, of, the, of, of the, you know, once you get past the first couple guys, yes. You know what I think? I think maybe, I think I've got the pieces I want, but I think maybe Luca at 14 to 1. Because the narrative, he was a favorite coming in. His numbers have really picked up also. Oh, big time. Yeah. He's, and, his and production feels like there. he could just surge by at the end maybe. But part of me. This, Dallas is only 22 and 19, though. You know something? I w- I'm going to put a tenth of a unit. Tenth of a unit. On Chris Paul. Because I could see. Here's the thing. All the narrative can change at once. This isn't like uh, an election of, of like the Democratic um, you know, like when Hillary and, and Obama were going at it, it was like you had to fight for a week to win West Virginia. And then you, this is everyone votes at once. And my thought is one right, one article from, you know, Zach Lowe that really makes the case. It's a great point. All you need is like one respected writer to be like, what are we doing here? It at least starts the fire. Old man. school basketball. Make your team better. I mm. mean, and and I could see the the the, the Mon- and we listen, when you're 250 to one, it's probably not going to happen. But I can see the um, the mantra. It's going to be most valuable player. Who's more valuable than Chris Paul's been this year? Especially if Phoenix somehow gets the number one seed. And he's 10 times more likely to get it than these guys like AD and Durant. They got no chance. Yeah, but they're just bad numbers. I mean, yeah. and Bede, LeBron. I mean, LeBron would feel like such a disappointment. Speaking of LeBron, I had a, a rant on him. It's just five minutes. Let's just throw it in here now because you want to listen to this. LeBron is maybe the most self-centered, selfish basketball player I've ever seen. Not on the court, but in this decision that he made, there's no, to me, it's small in a way, but it was nothing. There's no one that can tell me anything that I've heard so far. That redeems this. This is pure self-centered egotism. Let's listen. LeBron James, what he did after he got hurt, is the most magnified, oh my God, is this guy crazy? Now, I just heard this today. Did you hear this, Jonas, that after he got hurt, you know, I heard he came in and hit a three and said, oh, I can't do it. But what it ended up being was he had seven points at this point in the game. And all the way back to 2007, he's had double digits in every game, double-digit scoring in every game. He hurts his ankle in a way that he's slamming the court, and he literally says, Coach, put me back in, and he takes a three, hits it, gets the 10, and goes and sits down and ices it. 
Now, listen, one, that's cool. I mean, in a way, if that was something that mattered, that's cool. But this is exactly why the chances of him getting hurt went up. He was playing too many minutes. We talked about it, right? Yeah, and just two games before, he had nine rebounds. It was a blowout, and LeBron wouldn't come out of the game. He's like, I got to get that 10th rebound. I got to get my triple-double for this game. Okay, but, I mean, we can debate that one because everyone likes a Mm triple-double. It's one more play. He's playing a lot of minutes anyway. What I'm questioning is his whole effort to get the MVP, the obvious effort that we talked about, we said, was this at the expense of the Lakers winning the title? No one has any doubt if LeBron rested more, the Lakers would have a better chance to win the title. But also, if LeBron rested more, do we know if he would have got hurt? Now, we know we don't know if he wouldn't have, but what we know is the accumulated miles, fatigue over a career, over a game, over a season, they all add up to something. And it was just a couple years ago that Golden State had two catastrophic injuries in the finals, and we defined or uh, defined a catastrophic injury of being out 10 months or more was a speculation at the time, projection. There had only been two injuries of that magnitude the entire season in the entire NBA. 30 teams, 82 games, plus all the playoff games up until the final series, the finals, there were two. And then Golden State, who had played more games in the prior five years than any team in history, has two blown, you know, catastrophic injuries. Coincidence? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not, LeBron's a, a man's man when it comes to getting hurt. Let's give him credit. But Jonas, can you even debate that the more fatigued an older player is, the more likely he is to get hurt. And then my next question is, how egregious is it to with an injury that's going to keep you out a month, you go to get some personal record? Well, I think he's been really going after the not only the personal record, but the all-time scoring record. I think he wants that desperately. I think he was campaigning, like we said, uh, for the MVP vote. And, and I think this is all about just adding to his collection of At awards. what expense, though? At what expense? Exactly. Exactly. And and I think he I think he probably feels like he's lost the NBA titles debate because even if he does get to six like Jordan, he's lost so many that you really can't compare that to, to Jordan in the sense that you, you were came up short so many times. So now he's trying to find other ways that he can stake claim to being the greatest of all time. Now, is is this something that you come down on that side? Because a lot of people come down on the old well, I didn't know it was better to lose earlier. I always thought it'd be better to lose in the finals. That that was my voice of the dumb people <laughs> saying. Is because um, I can, you know, I'll be honest. I can see that side. It's like, is there virtue? You know, the fact that Jordan lost against uh, Orlando that you know that half seat or quarter season he played is that better than if he had lost in the finals? Or so like I don't know. I, I do think there's a mystique to the six and zero. But if Jordan even had one loss, I think it goes then to the idea of how many finals did you make? What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's the perfect record in the finals that, yeah. that, that tips the scale. And it's what everybody, it's the go-to every time they argue Jordan or LeBron, they go to the finals. So now it feels like LeBron is finding, I mean, look, he was in an interview before he won this last title with the Lakers in which he said, 
after he won the title in Cleveland, in his mind, he became the greatest of all time. (laughs) And people scoffed at that. So if you already think that you're the greatest of all time and it was because you won a championship, well, what else is out there for you to do? Go chase this all-time scoring list. Go try and win some MVPs. And obviously, even with an injured ankle, continue your 10 or more uh, consecutive games with 10 or more point streak that you had. And so, yeah, it, I've, I've felt like he's been chasing this stuff for a little while now. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. To me, LeBron is more like Kareem. And Kareem is someone who's kind of a little lost to the modern fan. But, I mean, this was maybe at a certain point considered the best player of all time. He was literally like the third best player on a finals team when he was like 42 years old. Kareem was another era when it came to he did yoga, martial arts. I mean, the hook shot. He was just a... He was a unique, brilliant fellow, but he certainly was a one-offer. And I'm not saying that's LeBron. I'm just saying Kareem stats over all that time. That's the scoring champion, LeBron's chase. And, and Kareem had titles. I think he had four exactly, if I'm not mistaken. But he played in a bunch and lost a bunch. It's, kind of, it's the accumulated stat. If you're going to say who's had the most accomplishments in a career, I think LeBron maybe is going to get that one. But that never was what Jordan was. Jordan was the greatest player of all time, the GOAT, that in his, that during an extended height, pinnacle, it's not a Gale Sayers for two years thing, extended pinnacle, he was the best player ever to step on the court. I don't think that one's debatable, but if you're anti-LeBron, like I am kind of am, at least in that debate, you got to give him credit for the 20. I mean, the the and plus, who knows, he might play to his – with his son or whatever you hear, he might play another five years. He might kill all those records. I don't think, though, Fez, we can act like it's a coincidence that he's had two major injuries. Maybe he's had he had that week, or I think it was like two weeks he took off when he needed a vacation about four or five years ago with Cleveland, like right around January or February. They said he was hurt, but who knows? Two of his most major injuries, if not most major, have now happened in the last two or the last three years. is I mean, he's a human being. This feels like it's a sign of vulnerability that as he gets older, he's going to get hurt more. Yeah, and it all goes back to you talking about Golden State and all those extra minutes they played in the playoffs and who's putting more miles in during the playoffs than LeBron over these years as well. I mean, let me say this finally. Kareem actually had six rings. I didn't know that. Wow, six rings. Five with the Lakers, one with the Bucks. He was a one-man team with the Bucks, huh? Oh, by the way, coincidentally, LeBron had eight points once in 2011, but that was just the finals <laughs> against the Mavs. We don't want to count that one. But imagine that I'm uh, Tom Brady was um, in the Super Bowl, and imagine he was doing something. Hmm, what would the analogy be? Let's say he was doing something before the game. That I don't even know what the analogy. Usually, I thought I had one here. Maybe I won't even try for the analogy. I'll just one more time kind of state, like, do we get what's happening here? LeBron James is hurt. He knows he's hurt. He knows in his mind that he hasn't gotten 10 points. Now, that you got to wonder about that to start with. And he tells the coach, I know I'm hurt. If someone steps on this ankle, it could extend this injury. 
Who knows on a jump shot what's going to happen with a hurt ankle. But I want to take this shot, and this will not in any way – it will probably hurt us to win this game because odds are he wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Right? On one leg. Can't play defense. But but accept the fact that I'm going to hurt the team here and accept the fact that I'm going to increase the chance of injuring this again or exacerbating the injury, aggravating it, whatever, because I want to get some record hardly anyone knows about, Mm. which is I've scored 10 points since 2007 or 8. It really is the most selfish thing I've seen. And anyone that can question that LeBron said, I'm going to hurt the Lakers' chances to win a title for this, you're wrong. I wasn't talking about me with the egotism. I'm talking about LeBron, but... Interesting point. What do you think, Fez? You agree with me? Oh, absolutely. We've talked about it all year long. How, why he's yeah, logging? We're, ta- we're talking about those are small things because we can debate hmm. how much does it really hurt. Maybe he's getting in better shape by playing. I don't agree, but but here, here he's actually risking. He already has a injury. significant injury, risking. You know, this could have become a fiasco. And and let's be clear, he's hurting the team's chance to win that game because shooting on one foot, he made it. That's awesome. But shooting on one foot can't help a team. No. Because otherwise he'd still be playing. Yep. What do you think, McKenzie? I think LeBron has done everything since high school to be perceived as the best possible player he can be. Whereas it's one thing to do it at the expense, though, of your team. I think the greatest players have always tried to be the best player they can possibly Mm. be and not care how they're perceived. Damn straight. All right, Fez, I think your best bet should come now. Don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. Michigan, oh, okay. FCS football. How how you doing with that? Six and one year to date. You were like 0 for 5 to start. Those were my own bets. This is what I give it to the clients. Okay, okay. Well, thank God. (laughs) Chattanooga minus 7 against Mercer. I'm going to lead with the most important factor. Chattanooga is underrated. Now, this team's 3-0, but if you look at their games, they played three close games. They've only won by an average of five points per game. Normally, that's a team we would be looking to bet against. But when you look into the box scores, Chattanooga has dominated all three games won the yards by 100, over 100, and 225 yards, so 140 yards per game on average. This is an undervalued. So what, what's the net point margin of that typically? Should be winning by about uh, 12 points per game. Okay. So an extra touchdown versus the scoreboard. And their opponent, Mercer, is overrated. Mercer's 2-2. Two and two. They look like an average team, but their two wins, RJ, are against teams. I went back to not just the spring football, but their opponents played in the fall. Those two teams are 1-15 and 15 on the year. So both the wins that Mercer has are against complete cupcakes. I'm on Chattanooga minus the 7. That's a pretty good handicap. I like it. Okay. So other than Esler, we got anything else? That's it. All right. Now listen. He's human. He went against me and lost. The Colgate didn't make any sense to me. They, I mean, talk about not having enough data. <laughs> but, again, this is a guy that you can find. He, you know how they say, like, he has, like, Kobe missed, like, four straight shots when he was, like, in his second year in the playoffs and he kept shooting, mm-hmm. like, at the end of the game. It's how Esler is. He's way, he's somewhere in his 70s at this point. I, I don't know. He, he was very squirrely about exactly how old he was. But he's been just, he's been like carving out edges 
And he does it with some of the wackiest things. It's like, I love it because it's like, it all doesn't make sense, but he wins. And I think anyone that listened to him last week, obviously they had Oral Roberts. We can talk about the games they had right, games they had wrong, but you couldn't question the depth of knowledge with him and A.J. Hoffman. Dave Esler, A.J. Hoffman, and I, he probably has more depth of knowledge in basketball. I don't know if it's basketball or football, to be honest. Let's listen. This is his bet in a Sweet 16 round. And we'll talk to you next week. And next week, we literally will have my first round of bets against Fez. <laughs> oh, it's going to be sweet. Enjoy the Sweet 16. Talk to you then. I love and I bet Syracuse plus three for the first half over the Houston Cougars. And this one truly is about the Syracuse zone. Houston couldn't handle the Rutgers defense the first time they faced it and trailed at the half. Houston was only up eight at the break against Cleveland State. Houston was behind at the half to Frank Martin's Gamecocks, who can't score. On the other side, Syracuse led West Virginia at the half. They led San Diego State at the half. In the ACC tournament, they led Virginia at the half before losing, and in fact, they've led at the half in six straight games. On paper, the Cougars shoot a ton of threes. As fate would have it, Syracuse has the second-best perimeter defense in the ACC, not to mention they have a massive length advantage and shoot nearly 80% from the free-throw line. Two years ago, when Houston lost in the Sweet 16, they were down by 13 at the half to Kentucky. History on both sides will repeat itself. I bet Syracuse plus three for the first half over the Cougars.